to call this thing. Ah, I got it. Okay. Incredible, new, fantastic, astonishing, mighty, original, uncanny, sensational podcast. I'm just going to put down infamous. Hello and welcome to Infamous, the audio podcast. This is Brandon, or Mutilus, on the forums. And this is Parker, and Tweak on those forums. This is Jeremy, and as you know, no forums. Forums, bad. Forums, bad. Alright, well, thank you for joining us today. We have a couple quick announcements before we get into the meat and potatoes. Um, last week, uh, Parker forgot to tell us that his favorite expansion box includes a Grievous Wounds card that we talked about for about 10 minutes, and he forgot to remind us that that's actually already on its way. To be fair... So that's cool. (laughs) To be fair, which I know you're not, but to be fair, I... With the amount that you talk about Angela, you should have been able to quote word for word everything on their cards. I I know everything of Angela's cards. I do not know everything... I do not know everything on Enchantress's card. I've looked at it like twice, and I looked at Misfits a bunch of times and the Rainbow Bridge once, but I never actually. I don't think I. I don't. I think I scanned Grievous Wounds once and went at generic, generic tactics card. Who cares? <laughs> and I did totally ignored it. He's holding out on us. This is bullshit. Yeah. Uh, you guys don't know this, but I'm. But anyway, just, I'm, I'm not excited. much for spoilers, which <laughs> is why I make uh, Parker do the news section. Yep. And so that's that's why I didn't know about it. I don't read spoilers. That's all Parker. So anyway, moving on. Uh, that brings us to news. 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 So Parker takes to the news. I got some news. So news out of this week is we saw the A-Force affiliation card coming with She-Hulk. And it is nearly, not exactly all, but nearly all the ladies. Ladies. Lots of ladies, ladies of coming the night. out. Uh, ladies. Uh, a whole lot of them. So uh, basically it's every uh, lady uh, in Marvel's Marvel Crisis Protocol, with the exception of uh, the bad girls, uh, Nebula, Mystique, and... Uh, was that it? Nebula, Mystique? I think that was... Storm. Storm. So my th- my theory is that not bad girls, so basically not Nebula, uh, Mystique probably not, um, and maybe not Enchantress. Uh, but then it's going to be, uh, I think that Storm and uh, like Jean Grey and Domino aren't on there yet because uh, She Hulk is actually supposed to come out before the X Men, I think, and so that's why they're not on the card because her release number I believe is before the X Men, so. That was they're supposed to be added to A Force when they came out, but it's all backed up now. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, yep. So we got uh, we know what A Force is. It's a very large roster, a really large official affiliation. Autom- it's already gets up there to rival Avengers uh, in terms of like sheer size and number. Uh, a lot of variable characters, obviously, it pulls from so many different factions and kind of identities, uh, different ways to play. So uh, one of the cool things about it is it's kind of the very first. I feel like when I look at it, it kind of looks like almost like a mercenary faction of old where all the characters are pretty strong at the thing that they do. Um, and there's just going to be a lot of like individual synergies to explore. Uh, so I think it'll be fun to to play A-Force. Also, uh, coming with A-Force were a couple of uh, the tactics cards for She-Hulk. And some of them are good. 
Some of them are good, uh, but two of them were quite Some. interesting and exceptional. Um, the ones that are oh, quite I think they're all good. Uh, no, I think I think they're all good. I I, I said that. Uh, I think they're all good. However, I th- I instantly gravitated towards a, a certain card that at one point in this game uh, has been banned. In fact, it's the only card. It's the only card. Only one card has been banned, right? Others, others been restricted. Yeah, it's just drop right. off. So drop off is back, but only now for one uh, big green lady. Anybody in A Force now can use the card Special Delivery to drop off She Hulk if she and the her her uh, carrier with flight drop her off. They both spend a power to do so, and now she can be placed within two after the movement of the flying character, uh, and then she can immediately do. A, uh, a attack that costs zero, which of course hers is a seven die attack that gives her power. So uh, pretty good, I guess. So yeah, on this one, the biggest part being that it's a force affiliated, and so it prevents you from doing it outside of an a force affiliated list. And only an a force character can do the dropping off, and only you can drop off She Hulk. And so it does have a lot of restrictions, but outside of that, it's actually better than drop off because it's not size restricted. But I think the big part here is that when they know who's getting the extra attack, it's a sump cost. And like, so the it's a proven value is what you're getting out of it. And I think the problem they had with drop off was interactions with characters that got to do weird things. And I've heard that the word is that Cable was the one that broke drop off and he's not even out yet. So, so I think it was mm. more that they just wanted to rein it in and prevent stuff happening in the future. And so... Special delivery isn't really a big surprise, but I'm surprised it still only costs one power. Yeah, it's still an incredible premium. We've talked about it here on this podcast before, how incredibly strong, like as a concept it is to have the ability to move a character that far and then for them to still get to attack. And it's just incredible activation and movement economy. Um, Also, we've also talked about how as a bodyguard character, She-Hulk, is going to get much stronger if she gets dropped into the middle of things. And so now she literally gets dropped into the middle of things. So I think it's a really excellent card for her. And I, I see this doing fantastic things for that faction in general. So I'm excited for this card. Uh, yeah. Other things that we know uh, is that the, the A-Force get um, a very special card, very cool one, uh, that now creates... Um, uh, an effect that we have been asking for on this podcast, which is uh, pay some power and you cannot be moved or changed on the battlefield. So folks like Web Corps, Warriors and other control factions cannot just immediately begin moving you around. So we're going to see that with A-Force. It is A-Force only, and we were excited to see something more generic that other factions could play, uh, but the A-Force can spin power now with one of their tactics cards. The name of it is... Uh, where's my name? Where's my thing here stalwart determination yeah stalwart determination so i think it's been a power to not be pushed or thrown which is pretty amazing uh, we also got the agents of smash now brandon you could maybe you could tell me that when i saw agents of smash uh i was very instantly kind of meh about it because uh, i didn't know how often i'll i'll play hulk and she hulk at the same time if they'll both be within two of the same feature and then they'll get i'll be interested in throwing it why is agent of smash well, good let me let me enlighten you. Okay. Uh, obviously, the first point I need to cover is you do not build lists the same way as my brain. That's true. So immediately when I found out there's two Hulks, the first question was, how can I make them work in the same list? Uh-huh. And so that that's where my brain went instantly. I think it's less about 
the fact that you get to throw a size five piece of terrain, but it's more about you get to throw another thing for a set amount of power. You get to throw said thing long and it's a, not an action on a character. So like, for example, if you've got she Hulk and Hulk, like usually you're going to be throwing stuff around, but now you can, for example, activate Hulk, use his two power throw and then if he still got power, play Agents of Smash and then throw something else. Like, size 5 would be great, but even if you don't have a size 5 thing, you still get to throw something else. Like, it allows you an additional throw into what you're normally allowed, I think is the big part of it. Uh, throwing size 5 is cool mainly, I think, because most people deploy terrain not thinking that you can throw it. And nobody else is going to be able to interfere with it. Nobody's going to be able to steal your terrain and throw it before you do, because it's size 5. And you know, auto six damage is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's that's the, the one thing. The thing just, I'm most a, a excited card that for, does a six damage is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Just just saying, I spend three power to do six damage. Like, just process that in your head. It's good. Mm-hmm. Like, cost a tactics card, sure. But like, just saying, like, hey, so and so has to dodge six. Like, well, even you know, Peter Parker's probably taking four damage. Like, I don't care. The, um, but the tax is not just and then the power also, tax, right? It's also I have to play two you know two very expensive characters i'm restricting sure. the list a bunch yeah and they have to be close to each other but i think if you're playing those two you're probably playing a, a gamma wave or any other deployment um echo and so it's it's what it is i don't think you, you're going to be playing this card a lot but the thing i'm more excited for is that they've referenced agents of smash and so like we might actually see agents of smash as a faction at some point well, that's true that's true uh, the Hulk family. I'm excited is, for that. Yeah, the Hulk family in the Marvel Universe is a well-storied family. Lots of cool stories mm. that come out of that. And, uh, yeah, World War Hulk maybe stuff. That would be really cool. Uh, Abomination and Son of Hulk. Uh, that would be really cool, mm-hmm. too. So Sc- And Scar as well, right? Yeah, Scar is Son of Hulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. That, that would be really tight to see Scar in this game. Um Maybe even Kara Oldstrong, and they might even do something like that from the from the Planet Hulk stuff. That'd be tight. Uh, that's that's his wife, that Scar's mom. And uh, the last A Force card we got was A Force Assemble. Um, every uh, an A Force character, one A Force character can spend three power to play it, and then while an allied character is defending against an attack this round, add one dice to its defense roll for each other allied character within two of it. So basically you spend three power and now you get an extra defense dice against every roll that round um, as long as you have other characters next to you. So it it rewards A-Force for having a lot of characters bunched up, but since you'll probably be having at least a special delivery, you know, you'll probably have at least one turn where you have two characters next to each other. Um, is three power worth... One defense dice all turn, you know, for the whole turn. Uh, maybe for Whoa. someone like She-Hulk, maybe because you're bodyguarding and She-Hulk's also gaining power a, a lot faster than your other characters. So maybe she'll have the ability to drop well, three power. It's for each other. Like, so if you've got three characters in a little triangle, then they're each getting two defense dice. Like, that's not bad. Um, when an allied character is defending Oh, wait. I want us to the yeah, it's just an allied character. It's you see so you play it and it affects all allied oh, characters. Oh, I thought it was just for the one character that spent the power, but it's for every character. No. Oh, that's yeah. so much stronger. Never mind. That's a yeah. that's a. It's reason. like oh. it's like Dark Rain where it affects everybody. Oh, well, that's yes. That's uh, for some reason the first time I read that I was like, okay, that's really strong for making sure one of your characters stays alive that's surrounded by buddies. 
but this is actually it produces like you said like a like a exponential growth uh so yeah uh, that is that is not not exponential. That'd be additive, right? But you get an additive growth. Everybody yeah. helps everybody. So yeah, that is that's fantastic. I really like that. I also my personal style is I love bunching up uh, mission uh, my my characters. I don't like them all spread out. Uh, I don't like one character out doing their own thing. It's weird. So I I actually after seeing the A Force cards, I'm really excited about A Force personally. I think there's some stuff, and now I like it. There's more. also. I was going to say, the average cost of the A-Force characters, obviously She-Hulk's the leader, so that's going to put a big dent in your points, mm-hmm. but, I mean, Okoye and Black Widow are in factions. There's two two-pointers. Black Cat. And for three-pointers... Go ahead. Is Black Cat confirmed, too? She is not confirmed, too. It's highly likely. Right, that, so yeah. I... Yeah, I was just talking about the ones we know. Yeah. So, and then we have um, Shuri, Agent Widow, Wasp... Um, for three-pointers, and then we've probably got Black Cats falling somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And then you know, so there's other, so obviously, and then Valkyrie is a great three pointer as well. Yes. So you're gonna have a, a a big ability to play probably closer to six characters, even though you know She Hulk is one of them, mm-hmm. and you have She Hulk bodyguarding for all these like squishier characters is is probably gonna be a nice combo. Yeah. Also, some of these you know quote unquote squishy characters aren't so squishy on that A Force the the A Force card turn. It's true. So it's it would be very it would be much more difficult to. Take down. I mean, imagine like a Captain Marvel, like in binary form, and that thing's there too. Like she's she could stand on yeah. anything. Oh, and the cool bit is, yeah, and uh, you could also you could also if you take a Koya, you have two bodyguards in there as well. So right. even if you're not all in a tight bunch, if you're in like a line, then you can still get a bunch of those to trigger. Uh, also, at first you'd be like, oh, but then you could just control them. <laughs> Stalwart determination is also yeah. a card. So. Like you can yeah. make you can make a stand turn where you just don't move and you just don't die and none of their damage is going to go where you want it to go. If you wanted to all in on that turn, uh, you could make that happen. So, uh, yeah. a a force is definitely uh, providing. I I think a force and the cards are like a a, a meta uh, um, a meta bending like set of stuff. I think they purposely put it in there. Going, we just printed. You know, a bunch of control characters, Doctor Strange, uh, Magneto, um, uh, the Web Warriors, like a lot of controlly stuff. And so here is a is a, you know, a very cohesive and uh, at least for one turn anti-control kind of list that's going to get initiative with things like special delivery, uh, lots of protectors. So it's very much I honestly it's it's funny. It's everything I like about most miniatures games is is A Force. I have a feeling the first time I play A Force, I'm gonna feel really comfy. I'm gonna like it a lot. But All right. The so that, that, that's about that our finish news. up the news. That's our news, yeah. Alright. That was the news. Alright, so now it's gonna take us into currently playing. Uh so we're just talking about a couple games real quick. I've played several games with my Brotherhood Cabal list and I'm liking it a lot. It's a good it's a good synergy of the two lists. So probably gonna keep playing that for a bit. Uh I've really enjoyed putting Magneto and Modoc in the same list mostly. It's great. Who do you So Jeremy uh, I had a quick question wait, for that. Who do you usually yeah. find yourself play? Which faction do you usually choose? I've actually chosen Brotherhood a lot. I think I've only played or sorry, Cabal a lot. I've only played Brotherhood once, I think. Mm. But I generally, like, a lot of people complain, like, Richard's always telling me about how he takes, like, climbing gear or uh, Asteroid M just to move Magneto around. But if you have Red Skull, you don't need any of that. So you just, you know, use Red Skull to put him where you need him. 
and then uh, obviously Cosmic Invigorating and having ability to Cosmic Invigorate uh, Modoc or Magneto, depending on who's in a better position for good actions, is just like crazy good. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you don't really miss the affiliation because Cabal generates generally enough power to make up for the fact that you don't have From the Ruins. Uh, the biggest downside is you don't get the Magnetic Refraction or Book of Truth. So, I, but I think uh, Dark Rain is is easily worth it. Uh, Cosmic Integration it ends up probably being more useful because you already have a lot of rerolls. But yeah, I like this energy a lot. I just want to get back to Brotherhood as soon as the rest of Brotherhood comes out, so I just hope that's soon. Yeah, I'm really nervous that the uh, release number 63 on the, the Twins pack is not going to be like 20 releases away. I know that they don't come out in order necessarily, but that's got me really nervous. Uh, so, Jeremy, I heard you played a cool game against an interesting list yesterday. Do you want to talk about the cool interactions you guys had? Yeah. So, I was looking across the table at the models he had kind of picked out, and there's 10 models, and one of them was Magneto, and then the rest of them were kind of a, a scattered mess of X-Men. And uh, kind of some, just an assortment of X-Men and an assortment of new models and also Venom. So I looked over there and I'm like, well, I'm going to play what I want to play. I really don't care what he's got. In fact, I didn't really, I'm just like, well, it's going to be Magneto. I know this game. I'll do my best. Um, I'll see what happens. So I grab my criminals. I grab my bag of goodies versus Magneto. I grab all the tactics cards I had and I'm like, so we'll see what happens here. And sure enough, he doesn't even fucking play Magneto. It's this crazy X-Men grab bag with Venom. So <laughs> it turns out Cyclops' ability is pretty damn good. And he even... I i got um, turned around several times because I was like, okay. So he's playing X-Men. He's definitely going to use Storm as the leader. Definitely. Because that's, that's the better ability. Oh, no. Not yeah. when you have Venom. <laughs> Cyclops is the way to go. <laughs> that way Venom can hit you and heal and be an unkillable monster. Any, anyway, um, yeah, that's what we played. Um, I, I played Criminals, but really, yet again, I was looking at my list, and I'm like, uh, I really like Ronan. He needs to go somewhere and do something. Um, at 18 points, my list was going to be Guardians of the Galaxy. At 19 points, it turned into a criminal list because the I just the numbers just made more sense to me. Um, I was kind of throwing everything everywhere, and uh, I had a lot of control on the board. It was a really good list. Uh, I liked what it was doing, and because I didn't really respect the list enough that he was playing to get, I guess, turn on my serious mode until Venom hit me about two turns in a row, and I'm like, oh shit, this is serious. <laughs> and at that point it was a little late i was losing too many models and losing too much momentum and ended up losing that game um he did really great with that mess of models he had and i saw what he was doing a couple turns in uh, it's pretty cool um i have respect for what cyclops does i do not have respect for cyclops as a, as a person as a human <laughs> being i still think he's a piece of shit so, <laughs> mm-hmm. so that's what i've been playing nice all right, so that's going to take us on to hobby projects. Um, a quick note from me: uh, John uh, has recently painted most of my terrain, and the combined with the terrain, I have already painted both pieces of it. Uh, now I have enough for fully painted table, so most of our battle reports now are going to be fully painted, which is nice. Hooray! Uh, Jeremy, 
Jeremy, is it true that you're once again painting the models? I am. And you know what's really fun? Painting tiny, tiny faces of Wolverine. I really... It's actually so fucking stupid. Like, I'm like, how small can his face possibly be? Well, smaller than you think. So I'm working on painting uh, that new batch that just came out, um, I don't know, a month ago. Was it a month? Has it been that long? Magneto's... Um, yes, it has been over a month. Ugh. So yeah, that's my... I, I'm sitting here staring at Wolverine. He's almost totally done. Sabretooth is pretty close, and the rest of them are on their way. So I'll have all those done in a few days. Parker, how's your painting coming? Uh, it's actually coming along quite well. The from the person who paints my stuff, but <laughs> yeah, I've got everything. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, the X Men are currently sitting on the shelf. I can't. Those those are the only things that I haven't got to paint yet. So those will be the last thing. But honestly, I I I do. I actually I am so excited for Angela. Whenever Angela hits, I may find I may actually go buy paints so that I can make Angela happen faster. <laughs> That's Angela. Might, I'll mail you a bag of my COVID paints. Yeah. If you want. Angela might get me off my ass and get me to to paint because man, I just she's so pretty and actually she's a model. I I, I see myself playing that model so much. Uh, I do want to actually paint it. Like I like the idea of playing Cabal uh, or uh, or criminals because I painted my Modoc. Like that's that's cool. So mm-hmm. I I. I am really excited to play a lot of Angela. I'm I, I'm excited to play Angela. I'm actually considering buying the Thor and the Asgardians too, um, because I could do I, nice. I could flip the coin and have Angela uh, switch sides in a Asgardians of the Galaxy. But yeah, I'm so I don't know. That, that's that's the only Brand- news I have. I don't know about Brandon's feelings about this, but I am so excited to fucking kill Angela. I, I'm telling you, like murdering. <laughs> Murdering Parker's Angela is a game win. It doesn't matter if you actually win the game. I cannot wait to Crimson Bands of Sidorak her every turn. And never actually damage her. Yeah. Just activate her every turn with Crimson Bands. Oh. And Parker will just be, like, beside himself with rage. Uh, He'll make so many fingernail marks on that table. <laughs> that's, that's that, yeah, I'm sure when when I watch her get sadly controlled across the, and just, like, and... <laughs> And she and she, and she doesn't get to do all of the stuff. But I feel all I want to do is I want to see her flippy dip all over the table once, and then I'll be satisfied. I don't need her to do it every mm-hmm. game. But Jeremy, just let me know if you need to borrow Doctor Strange so you can make sure she never uh, does anything. Curious, curious, uh, uh, curious note there, Doctor Strange lovers. You got to get it right the first time because you can't re-roll against her. So uh-huh. just so you know, if you go ahead, no, it'll work out. If you rot, it'll if, work if out. You rot, I'm gonna if, build a list. Yeah, all oh, it's it's gonna be like. It's going to be uh, Dark Rain Cabal with Doctor Strange, just to make sure it happens. <laughs> well, how would that... How would that... Oh, no, because he wouldn't get the re-rolls. All right. Nope. No, you don't nope. get re-rolls. You don't, you don't re-roll I guess you just recount- She can't be. Yeah, you can't re-roll at all. Magneto just needs yeah. to use his card and throw, like, 30 dice at her in one go. Oh, yeah, you could, all right, you could definitely so, throw her. So yeah. maybe I'll just do... X-Men and just have everyone hand strange power so he can keep Crimson Banding. Yeah. There you go. Okay, maybe that's the plan then. <laughs> there's okay. nothing, so, there's absolutely nothing I can do against that. I've lost. <laughs> I'll have nothing. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so that's going to move us into our main topic today. We're going to be raiding the Cabal faction with a small asterisk. Uh, so when we're doing the ratings, we're only going to rate each character once. And so we've divided them up into factions based on uh, theme and 
uh, I guess, priority of faction they're in. There's so many characters that are in multiple factions now that there's actually only five characters in Cabal as their primary faction. And those characters are Baron Zemo, Modok, Red Skull, and Ultron. So those will be the five characters rating today. All of the other Cabal members will be rated with one of the other factions. That, that, was, that was four characters. We're adding Crossbones in there, right? Did I not say Crossbones? Not. Yeah, Crossbones as yeah. well. He's so lonely. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants to be raised. He's, he's also in Criminal Syndicate, but we're, we're putting him in here today. He is, yeah. Exactly. He's busy robbing banks. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so starting, we're just going to start at the top. Um, how did I sort this? These are in no particular order. By height? Do you guys have a preference on where we start? By height. <laughs> uh, sure, let's... Um, I'm going to rate these, or I'm going to sort these differently, and then we'll get started. Uh, let's just go alphabetically today. All right, so starting with Baron Zemo, or Helmut Zemo. Is that how you say that, yeah. Parker? Helmet? Helmut. 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 Helmut yeah. Zemo. All right, so starting with offense, let me pull up Zemo real quick. Baron Zemo is a three-point character with five health on both sides, movement long, size two, defense is three, three, four, has a five-dice strike that bleeds on wilds, uh, steel rush is a range three, six might, two-cost attack that's physical. After the attack is resolved, you get to advance medium, and then again, bleeds on the wild. Cool actions he has are charge, counter-strike, master swordsman, uh, which is when targeting with an attack or is targeted by a physical attack, this character may use his power. If the enemy character is within two, you may reroll any number of attack or defense dice. And then strategic genius, this character and allies within range two can reroll one die when attacking or defending. So, uh, does anybody want to say anything about Baron Zemo? On the offense specifically, uh, the second turn he gets uh, hot. Go ahead. The first turn he is not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, uh, so you think the the charge gets him in there pretty quickly? Mm. The charge is perfect. It's the it's the exact builder you need. You charge in there, he gets power from the sword strike that he uses, and then you can potentially use his bigger attack if you want to, and then move a bunch. Because of his mobility, he definitely feels like he tends to get more attacks off than your average character. So, like, gaining the action for charge is great, but also, like, advancing from Steel Rush is a good way to get into position to do different things. Uh, the number of rerolls he can end up doing throughout a game uh, will get him a lot more power as well, because his attacks are a lot more efficient than they seem to be. Yeah, I feel like when you read Zemo's card, offensively, he's like a PlayStation. He only does everything. You know, like he's just—he's got so many different things. The only thing he doesn't have is an energy attack, um, but otherwise, he—he's just got all the things you want to see on an offensive character. He's going to have the initiative with his speed long and the charge. He's going to have multiple attacks. He's usually going to have power to do, you know, a combination of of different things. So he's—he's—he's he's, he's got everything you want to do to have a you know a, a first strike kind of melee character. Mm-hmm. Uh, this character abuses the multiple reroll mechanic, uh, probably more so than anybody else, just because it's innately built into himself. Mm-hmm. So getting to reroll with Master Swordsman and then also reroll for Strategic Genius. Um, the biggest hindrance to this character's damage potential are skulls. So, like, he's pretty impressive for the fact that he's just basically a five-die strike machine. <clears throat> Not having an alternate damage type is pretty big. 
uh, not having a, a big dice attack particularly. Like, Steel Rush is six dice, which is good, but you're probably not going to Steel Rush and Master Swordsman. Um, I guess sometimes it can happen. But yeah, he doesn't have, like, a seven dice attack. He doesn't have a throw. Uh, that's probably the biggest hindrance. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at... But he's very consistent. He, he does surprisingly good damage. Yeah, I mean, you look at his sword strike, it's a five strength, but with his rerolls, it's really more like a six. I mean... Yeah, sure. There's very rarely going to be a time you don't get to reroll at least one die. Um, but there's also the times, like, you can't reroll dice, like we've uh-huh. talked about. Um, bleed's pretty nice, and he does it often enough to generally inflict damage with it, so that's also pretty handy. Um Parker, do you have anything to add on Baron Zemo? Um, he's one of my favorite characters of the game because I love characters that can stand way back. He's a fencing master, right? He stands way back and just waits and then lunge. And then he's already, he's up in your face, you know, stabbing all your mans. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are we thinking about numbers for Baron Zemo? Uh, Jeremy, I think you've probably played him the most. Um. So... A baseline character is like a three, right? Didn't we say that? Or is that what we normally start? Three um, or four? On offense, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're basically bare bones with nothing that you add to it, I'd probably start around All right. three. So charge is going to so give... like five dice strike. Yeah, charge gives you the yeah. one. So you're, say, at a three. So that's a four. He gets a reroll, so that's a five. His sword strike is attached to a charge, so there's a six. Um, man, he's at least a six in my book. For three points, he's probably better than that. Yeah, well, the point cost doesn't really come into the yeah. total offense. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I don't necessarily disagree at all. Um, rerolls are pretty awesome. And like we said, he can he can turn it up a little bit when he goes for the full rerolls with the six dice attack. Um, really, the, the, the hindering factor for him is only physical damage. Um, and that's not even counting. But God, he's so mobile. He that's not even counting. He attacks so much. That's offensive potential as well. Yeah, I'm okay with a six. I'd probably lean more towards a five, but I think six is is justified. Parker, do you have an opinion? Uh, I was going to place him right at a six too. I think that's more than fair. It, one of the things uh, about him that is not to be understated is, um, while he does have the rerolls. Uh, like unless he's been hit by mystic attacks, his ceiling uh, for defense isn't that high, and so I've seen him go down a little pretty quick as well. Like he lunges in there very well, and he definitely stabs, you know, once. But unless he gets very, very lucky with his dice, which you know he can fix them, and your opponent gets unlucky, and they he just takes something down, and you know, like on a one-on-one situation, he's probably going to get smushed in return. I know this is not really the defensive stat we're talking about, but I feel like there's uh, there's a a cap to the his potential damage, and that's why I don't think he he reaches higher than a six. But I think he's definitely a six because of his his very strong consistency. Six. Yeah, I think I think I would put him at six as like a hard ceiling for him. Yeah, he's not he a seven. Doesn't have the extreme burst. Yeah, and he doesn't have the ability to do like a crazy amount all at once. Like he can anyone can spike to like silly numbers, but he his because of the he relies so heavily on rerolls his his spikes are not usually going to happen because he doesn't have a way to like add dice. He doesn't have a way to like do auto damage with like a throw. So I think, yeah, six is definitely the high side. I'd probably lean more towards a five, but I think six is fair. Yeah. Like he also has, Um, and that's primarily the tiebreaker is definitely that he's almost always going to get two attacks. 
because he's either going to steel rush and move in to strike you or he's going to charge in strike you and or like charge in and then steel rush and then move on to another target like he's so mobile that he's going to get to attack whoever he wants so moving on to defense uh he's obviously not exceptional at defense but he's pretty good uh he got a 33 on the defensive matrix which puts him about in the middle um so 10 hit points threes across the board he has counter strike master swordsman and strategic genius uh master swordsman doesn't come up a huge amount because it has to be a physical attack and it has to be within range two but if it that does happen that's nice and then he always gets the one reroll he's very vulnerable to collateral because he doesn't get to reroll against dodges um jeremy do you have anything to say about his defense uh i would give him one above par i mean he's not great with the rerolls yeah. he can die yeah i think a four is pretty fair yeah, he's he's not known for survivability. Uh, Parker, thoughts? I was numbers? actually gonna, I was going to say exactly four for for precisely the same reasons. He doesn't uh, he fixes just a little bit, but it is just very marginally above average. Okay. Uh, so moving on to support, uh, his only support ability being the strategic genius, which is pretty cool. Uh, but it with how fast he is, he tends to kind of be on his own. Um. I have built lists with the concept being that Zemo's just going to follow people around. <laughs> I don't know that it was good, but it was fun. I, one of the things that the strategic genius often interacts with the game is because because he's such he his range is so deceptively long. He's uh, he can be used as kind of an interesting like uh, wait and see kind of piece where he can be behind one or even two characters that are more frontliners, and they if they're if he's behind and within two. They're receiving passive, you know, bonuses for getting shot at or attacked, and then he can launch in. Even if somebody's trying to attack the person in front of him with a ranged three or four, he can actually still lunge past them all the way to them after they've mm-hmm. activated and maybe wasted a few damage on his rerolls. So I think it's kind of cool that he he can help a buddy until he's ready to go strike, but then after he's in the mix, he may never, you know, get to. Uh, buff somebody else again until the later stages of the game yeah the uh the one of the surprising things i think a lot of people are don't expect him to do is if you run off to a side to collect an extraction you can do something like move charge back into the middle to go stand by a buddy or even if you're fighting someone on a flank you can steel rush to move away and then still charge towards someone else and so you're covering like just a silly amount of distance and still getting two attacks mm-hmm. and then going to stand by a friend. And if he's in Cabal, it's pretty easy for that to end up happening because he still gets power when he causes damage. And so he only needs to generate one power from his normal strike to get that going every turn. So uh, I think I'm sitting at about a three for support because strategic genius is pretty cool. It doesn't come up a lot, but I could be talked down to a two. So, I'll I'll make this point. I I think I think he's a little above that, mm-hmm. and this is why he can be within two of two or even three characters, which two is a little bit easier and, and more standard. And for free, all of them, including himself, can re-roll a die on attack and defense. That's a lot. Now the caveat to this, which is the same for attacking. He can be sitting on 10 power and not be able to spend it to help anyone do anything sometimes. So that's a problem. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Is it worth one or two? I, I think Strategic Genius is two bumps above zero or, you know, three or whatever. So I put him. Well, the average person has zero support. Okay. So. And where we put him? Uh, we put most or- faction leaders around three just for their leadership ability. And that's pretty much where I was trying to okay. put him. So I would say maybe a little below that. That's three is three. Three is fine because he doesn't move anybody, which is a problem. Moving in this game is a big mm. deal. So yeah, I would say three is okay. Parker, do you want to talk us down to a two? Um, I actually uh, would say uh, a two is more appropriate, and that's just because if if a three is a is a you know. A, a leadership trait most leadership traits have incredible range and the characters with the leadership traits are getting it passively across the whole board and the fact that you're only getting a, a party buff even though it's very efficient party buff because he costs no power and it just happens when they're around the fact that it's around just you know that that two inch range of him and he's so fast that's i think that's how they balanced his his ability uh, put this on somebody who likes to stand still with a ranged weapon and it would probably feel a little oppressive because you can form a little bunker where everybody gets re-rolls but the fact that he's jumping out and doing his thing and may never come back to help his buds i think it's probably more like a two even if it's operating on two or three people uh it is just one re-roll also so i think it's probably a two but and that's just because realistically okay. how, how the ability... I, I just needed the two, Parker. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were a three, uh, Brandon. My bad. I'm sorry. Are you a, th- a two, Brandon? No, no, you're fine. Did you pick two? Yeah, I, I said... I think I'm leaning towards a two. Okay, so let me give you one more. I, I feel like I've, he's right. I've got one more for no, you. No, no, hold on. Hold on. I just want to say my point, then you can go. Uh, I do like that you can affect a lot of people with it, but I think if you are building a bunker of Zemo rerolls... It, there are better bunkers to build, and it is going to lose you the game on scenario. So, like, I, it's it's better than most faction abilities, but it's in such a small area, and all the faction abilities are usually, like, board-wide stuff. Like, it's obviously better than the Defender's faction ability, but it's going to, throughout the game, probably do less, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you go ahead with your argument. I was just getting ready to say Wakanda and their faction ability. However, you nailed it already with like the small. Yeah. It's small, but it's also free. Yeah, it it it's not free. It costs three points. <laughs> fair enough. Two, it is. Okay, I'm gonna put it at two. Okay. I think that's fair. It because like if you compare it to like the Asgard faction ability, like yeah, it's better on an activation to activation basis if you assume you're getting it, but it's not going everywhere. You have to pay a penalty in positioning to take advantage of it. Correct. Uh, so next up is going to be control. Uh, he has absolutely zero control. So he gets a two on support. And moving on to control, uh, he has no control, so he's going to be a one. Unless you guys want to argue that bleed is control in some way. Nope. nope. All right. I think this guy's pretty obviously a skirmisher. Yeah. Any any arguments? I think he's no, like sir. kind of the skirmisher. I think he's kind of the definition of it. Yeah. I think he's yeah the I think he's actually the example we gave of a skirmisher in the notes. Yeah. Here, actually, I'm curious. I want to double check. He's a long charger, man. That's about the best you can get. Uh, Black Widow. Black Widow is the skirmisher that mm-hmm. we we chose. But yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's definitely a good example. So we have a four or a six four two one skirmisher for three points. 
Uh, so let's just start with the numbers. Uh, I'm going to open with a six. Who wants to argue about a six with me? Whew. Um, I, I don't know that he... I'll say six because every time you pick him, he feels good. I don't know that there, there's almost always a better choice, but if you can't think of one, put him. You're going to be good. I don't, I don't know that there's always a better choice, but it's very seldom you're going to take Zemo and regret it. Yep. But there's probably, he's not going to, you're not going to take Zemo and be like, Zemo won me the game because Zemo's overpowered. Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Never. Zemo, Zemo might win you the game because he's awesome. Yeah. But that's because you put him in a position to succeed and he did his job. Like, that's what Zemo's going to do. Zemo is one of the most consistent characters in the game because the majority of his abilities are based off static effects. Like, I'm going to charge, or I'm going to, you know, like, steel rush and move after. Like, and then he's consistent also because he brings dice re-rolls to the game. And so he's going to he's gonna prevent you from rolling absolutely bad all the time. And so that's going to be nice. And so he's just going to be pretty consistent. Parker, give me a number. Um, I'm actually going to... I personally try to put Zemo in all kinds of places. That He's just a Cabal character, and I've tried to put him in most lists that I've made. I think when uh, Jeremy did uh, ask me favorite character for one of the Daily Bugle things, uh, a couple of, it was like episode like six or five or six or something like that. I said Zemo, um, and I love the passive nature of a lot of his stuff and the stuff that does cost. He always seems to have it because of how very consistent he is. I love characters that I go, okay, I really need to do three damage way over there right now. Oh, well, Zemo's here. Like I got it. Like he's, he, I got it. Um, I really like that kind of consistency. I value that very highly. I I actually put him. I was thinking a seven. I think seven is too high, but we're overruling you anyway at a six. I I'm comfortable with you overruling me. I uh, I think you, I I think it's personal bias about consistency of the dice. Yeah, it's probably true. If he didn't die so damn easily, okay, so that's yeah. good. Yeah. He is a little squishy. Um, so that moves us on to the next character, Crossbones. Or Brock Rumlow. <laughs> Brock. Uh, Brock is a... Th- <laughs> I didn't know that oh, was his first name until... Brock Chisel Cheese. Uh, so, in the, mo- in the movie, yeah. they always just call him Rumlow. Yeah, Rumlow. well, because he's military, so... Yeah. Alright, so uh, Crossbones is a three-point character. He's six health on both... Oh, excuse me, six health on the front. He's only five health on the back? Uh-huh. I thought he had 12 hit points. Nope. Oh, well. Uh, so he is speed short, size two, uh, defensive stats are four, two, two. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> I'm so shocked. Whoa. I didn't realize he was also two on mystic. Wow. Yikes. Uh, he has a standard five dice strike. Uh, he has a range three attack called overpower. It's five dice cost two. place this character within one of the target after the attack is resolved. On a wild, he gets to throw someone of size 2 or less uh, before damage short. He has an active power called Haymaker, adds 3 dice to his next attack roll, costs 4 power. A reactive power called Inert to Pain, he reduces damage suffered by 1 to minimum of 0. And then aggressive, after an attack during his character is resolved, if he suffered damage, he may advance short towards the attacking character. Uh, he is the same on the back, except 5 hit points. I swear we have played him at six hit points multiple times that resulted in him getting to attack while dead. I, I'm sure that has happened. Okay. 
Uh, so offense. Let's start with offense, as we always do. Jeremy, tell me why this guy is good at offense. All right. So as soon as you get four power. <laughs> I've tried him so many times, man. Um, okay. He can. He can. He, he has the ability to spend a shitload of power and hit you really hard. However, it's going to take some charging and some moving and stuff to do. Will your opponent let you do it? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. he, he has a lot of output possible. Where does that put him? Uh, are we doing numbers yet? You want a number? I mean, he, he's pretty straightforward. He's got yeah. two offensive things that aren't his basic strength. Mm-hmm. But I'm fine with numbers. Yeah, go for it. Um. Hit because okay, so let's what is it three plus five? He can hit for an eight, and that's what he does. And it costs him Jesus four, Ugh. eight dice attack for four for a little guy. He get, he's probably gonna he mm. he will get the power back if you use his strike to do it though. So it's not like you might get potentially you might get some return on that investment. Maybe keep in mind he has no dice mods. He doesn't have like pierce or anything. So an eight dice attack's doing like five hits. So yeah, you'll get some power back, but you're you're not going to generally replenish your power you spent. He on. is he isn't. I mean, that's he isn't Cabal though, and it's one more fist to throw into, you know, the uh, the big reroll tactics card. That name is for some reason eluding me right now. Yeah. So anybody Dark who rain. can throw eight dice at something at all is got to be, you know, yeah. it's above par because he can throw eight dice at something. That's legit. Um, a five. That's my number. Throwing out a five. He doesn't get any modifiers. He doesn't get anything special. He can move. I mean, he can throw if you do decide to do his overpower, but then he doesn't get power for that. So good luck. Good luck with your next yeah. thing. But more importantly, if you do the Haymaker overpower, it has a very high likelihood of throwing, but the size two restriction seems very penalizing nowadays. Like yeah. there's a lot of not size two people. And a lot <sighs> of them like to get into melee with crossbows. So. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. I'll... Yeah, I was gonna say he's got to be at least a six because he can roll eight dice. Dude, I don't know, man. The more I look at it, so the biggest problem to his offense is his survivability, and I know we don't really rate them together, but this is probably more of an overall argument. But he spends so much power on inert to pain that he usually doesn't get to haymaker very often. And if you're not haymakering, or if, sorry, if you're not inert to painting, he's dying. Like. He's not survivable enough without the damage reduction to stick around. And aggressive is nice. I think aggressive is underrated, but I don't know. I I think I was going to start at a six. I'm probably still going to say six, but I'm going to let Parker talk me down to a five. So, Parker, why don't you go ahead? Uh, I, Give me your number and tell me why. Oh, number and tell you why. Uh, I would actually say yeah, number. five. And the reason why okay. is... He, that was easy. And the reason why is uh, I, I don't know. Maybe you guys who have played him more than I have or seen him on the table more than I have, can tell me uh, how often Haymakers are actually going to happen. But I think Haymaker is going to happen very few times a game, like two, three, maybe. And if it's only two or three times, and it's eight dice, but he doesn't get Dark Rain thrown in there, there's no way he's ever putting off the kind of consistency that Zemo has. I feel like he's the like the opposite of Zemo, whereas he's slow, he is. he's plotting, yeah. and he's very inconsistent. So you can't count on anything, um, except at least once or twice. Likely, um, you'll see eight dice. But man, I I I think he's a five. 
I think the opportunity is the opportunity cost is too high and he's not consistent enough. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's definitely the opposite of Zemo. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I do think you get to use Haymaker about three times a game, but unfortunately two of those are immediately after getting dazed. So, cause usually what happens is eventually they just dogpile you because the little attacks don't get through. Cause you know, if you're doing like the auto fire four dice attacks, like, He's rolling the same amount of dice as they are and takes one off the top, so he's not taking anything. So usually end up getting like, okay, here comes the Omni Beam, and he just gets like five damage goes through all at once. And so you don't spend for damage reduction because you're going to get dazed anyway. And so you end up picking up like five power, power up again next turn, and then you're like, okay, well now here comes the Haymakers. And so that's usually when you get your next two Haymakers. You usually get like one on the front side, unless it's just everything's going great for you. So yeah, I think we're going to put him at a five. Um, if he had like a, a more consistent throw, it might get him higher. But as is, I think that's where he's at. Moving on to defense, uh, he rated a 32 on our scale, which is just barely slightly below average. But that's because he's got uh, multiple twos in his defensive stats. But, you know, damage reduction takes the edge off of that pretty well. So, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious he has... Uh, Damage reduction that you have to spend power for. That's his defensive stats. His stats are very bad, actually. Um, 11 hit points, 4-2-2 is kind of meh. Jeremy, what do you think his number is? Because uh, he's not a 3 across the board, so he doesn't get anything. I mean, I, I give him injured to pain. Or in- yeah, I think for the... <sighs> I think he starts at like a 2. Because he's got multiple vulnerabilities, but the damage reduction obviously kicks up something. Like I kicks him up to at least average, so probably above. So average. I've been playing Kingpin a lot, and Kingpin's a seven health with basically the same ability, um, and he lives yeah. kind of forever as long as you're managing it correctly. Um, and he could do that as well. I mean, I'd give him two points for that inner to pain because it can be zero, and a lot of times it is, and it's kind of a machine. Once you get one power on him, he's always reducing it, which puts his health pool in the you know somewhere around ten on the front. I mean, it, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. The big thing is being able to stop stuff like bleed and collisions, like because normal damage reduction you can't stop the one point of damage, but this you can. And so it ends up saving even more damage than normal damage reduction would. I think the problem... Uh, unfortunately, it costs more power. Yeah. The problem lands with, like, two big laser beams because he's only got a two there. And, I mean, you're dead. Two big laser beams, mm-hmm. you're dead. Yeah. So what do you think? Four? Uh, I'll give him a four and it'll go either way. It, it can go down from there. A three, I could live with two. But I I think Inner pain is really, really good. Parker? Um, I would say... Uh, four, just because he has to pay for it. Um, and man, two weaknesses are bad. Yeah. Okay, I'm in agreement with a four. So, moving on to support. Crossbones' favorite stat. Uh, he gets a one. <laughs> and control his second favorite stat. Uh, so he has a spending attack that has a throw on a wild, and unless you're spending six power for it, it's kind of a coin flip. Uh, I guess I'm going to give him a two on control. Do you disagree, Jeremy? He's technically better than the worst in the game. Okay. I can live with a a, a one or a two. Either way, I don't care. (laughs) 
Well, he's better than a one because he has some control, but he can only throw size two people, and it's going to cost at least two power, and it's still risky. Is there, is there a way to is Parker, there a way to give him like a one point one? Because that's what I feel like he gets. No, one point nine. Yeah. All right. Well, he's we're going to round it up to a yeah. Two go ahead. Okay. All right. Uh, so is this character a brute? Yes, technically. I think he is. He is. He is. I mean. You could argue that he's a scrapper, but I think he's a brute. He's more about just wading into combat and hitting things, right. and then just kind of seeing what happens. Yeah. If you, he's not really there to deal huge damage. If you ignore him, do you know how long it takes him to get to you? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, who's that guy over there? I'll push this him. This is the most... Throw, get him yeah. out of here. I think the problem is you guys were raiding Black Dwarf like he was Crossbones, so Black Dwarf is actually <laughs> good. True. That's true. Uh... So Black Dwarf, for one more point, has three more hit points and an extra energy defense and an extra mystic defense and doesn't have to spend power for his damage reduction. And it's much better attacks. Yeah, and he has a throw that's not random. And he has six dice base. And he can roll eight dice base. Okay, anyway. So we have a 5-4-1-2 brute for three points. Jeremy, tell me what his overall score is. What did we rate Black Dwarf? Uh, a four, I believe, because you guys are idiots. Yes, he got an overall four. And Black Dwarf should be at least a five. So we're going to give him, like, a three. Three? Okay. I hate him. Parker, it's personal. do you agree with the three, or do you think he gets higher? No, I... It's personal? I, right. I actually... <laughs> well, well... I actually was going to give this guy a... Uh, uh, we're talking about overall rating, right? Yeah. I actually rating. wanted to give this guy... It's weird, but I want to give him a two. I feel he's been, <laughs> and this is why. And this is why I'll tell you. I want to give Crossbones a two. He's been completely outclassed by three point characters in this game. I think he has. He has serious like first, you know, first edition itis, where it's like he, he's he was in, he was in the box, so you had to play him. But as soon as other characters came out. Like, they're clearly superior in every way to him. Like, e- even if you just do the three-point bracket, and you just do brutish characters, there are so, so I'm gonna, many more. And then you can go up I in points and down something. in points and, and continue to have better characters in Crossbones. So, I think he's a two. You can't find a two-point character that does what Crossbones does. Uh... I, you can't. I don't think you cannot find a slow-moving character that's terrible at two points. That's true. That doesn't exist in the game yet. But as soon as they print, as soon as they print one, as soon as they print a, yeah, as soon as they even print, Toad is fast. What's that? I said even Toad is fast. Right, but I'm saying as soon as they print a a stocky two-point character that that is is like Crossbones, they, they will eventually, and when they do, it'll be better than Crossbones, and so I'm that that's what I'm sure of. I think Crossbones was okay. It, so at the start. At the start of the game, he was low on the curve, and now he's just abysmally behind the other characters. Okay, I get it. I hear what you're saying. You don't have to keep saying it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to disagree. Uh, there are... I, I understand your point, and I don't think your point is is misfounded. But Because like, like, I'm of the opinion that Drax completely invalidates Crossbones in a vacuum. Like Drax is strictly better than Crossbones, but he's not in the factions Crossbones is in. And a lot of the stuff for those factions is very specific on the characters in them. Because, like, Crossbones is in Criminals, which means he gets the criminal bonus, and he gets to play all the criminal cards, and he gets bonuses from Black Rain. There are reasons to play Crossbones. They're just not printed on his card. They're printed on other cards. 
So that's all I'm saying is that you need to take that into account a little bit when we're rating the character. Yeah, in a vacuum without a faction behind him, he's definitely on the weak side of the cheap brutes. That's that's unquestionable, I think. But I don't think he's completely invalidated yet. No, and it's because I always forget that he's a goddamn criminal and he needs to be on my list just in case mm-hmm. I get fucking pigeonholed in some sort of stupid mess. Yeah. I think the and like I say this a lot, I think losing slowly is an advantage. Like being able to take a character and say, well, at least I won't get one shotted. Like this is that character. Like you can just put him on a flank on his own and he'll be there until turn three or four fighting their three point flanker. And you'll, you'll probably not win, but you're not going to lose quickly enough to cost you the game. He's going to stick around long enough to contest it long enough to keep you in the game. And sometimes he'll win. Like it's not like he's guaranteed to lose. There's plenty of three point characters. He can fight one-on-one and do okay against. Especially if they're sending like a two point character, like Black Widow goes over there. It's like, well, Black Widow's not going to take out Crossbones. Like, it's not going to happen. He might not kill her very quickly, but he's going to be alive. So I think that's fine. Uh, I was actually going to say four because I think Black Dwarf is criminally underrated, as I've said before. But uh, probably get talked down to a three with Jeremy and we'll round up Parker's two to a three. I think the main reason he gets played is faction reasons, not for like reasons on his card. Uh, so moving on, that brings us to Modok, the Brain Boiler. <laughs> I think that's what his subtitle is. Not, not at all. I was playing. I was playing against uh, Jason, and I just keep saying, "All right, here comes the Brain Melty." Every time I attack his characters, and he's like, "Stop it!" Oh, he has a name. Yeah, George Tarleton. Tar Tarleton. 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 Yeah. Huh. Tarleton. Yeah. That's a weird fucking name for this guy. Yep. George. <laughs> I guess he kind of looks like a George. If he should have an acronym, sorry, if he has a name, it's actually, it, Modok is an acronym. The mechanized organism designed uh, only for killing. Designed only for yeah. killing, yeah. Okay, this is going to be a mouthful, so get ready. <clears throat> Modok is a five-point character with ten health on the front, four health on the back, speed short, size four, defensive stats are two, three, three. His primary attack is Psionic Blast, range 4, 6 dice, Mystic, cost 0. Gain power for damage and has set power. Doomsday Chair, which is range 4, physical, 7 dice, cost 3. Whirling Blades, which is after the attack is resolved, you do another Doomsday Chair attack without paying the power. The additional attack must target someone within 2 of the original target and does not have the Whirling Blades rule, which causes bleed on a wild. Bow to the will of Modok is choose an enemy character within range 3. Advance that character short. Cannot be affected by his power more than once per turn. So he can do it multiple times. Cost 2. Imbecile, all the world is a weapon to Modok. Uh, active power costs 2. Choose an interactive trained feature of size 3 or less within range 3 and throw it long. Usable once per turn. P-Brain, Modok's genius is infinite. Uh, reactive power cost X. After this character rolls attack or defense dice, it may spend an amount of power. For this superpower, for each power spent, reroll one die in the attack or defense roll. And psionic force field. When defending against attacks, the character changes its wild results to blanks. Uh, and then on the backside, he's exactly the same, except he loses psionic force field and only has four hit points. So, that being said, uh, let's talk about Modok's offense. Ten. Here we go. This has been a long time coming, guys. Yeah. <laughs> ten! <laughs> it's not a ten. You're wrong. You're objectively wrong. Shut up. 
Uh, however, this might be one of the highest we've had since our first rating. Oh, we've had one other person rated it high. Mm-hmm. The Corvus. Well, you made. go. Okay. You go, Brandon. Oh, me go. You go. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go first. Uh, since I'm obviously the resident Modoc expert. <laughs> Okay, I've said that out loud now. Uh, it's definitely not true. Jeremy's definitely played Modoc more than me. But um, the trick to Modoc is to just start the boulder rolling. Once you get it moving and it start go- starts going downhill, you pretty much just let it go. Uh, it's all about getting power on Modoc because, much like we talked about with Haymaker on Crossbones, it turns into, well, spending power to reroll his attack dice is good because it ends up paying itself back. Well, it's definitely true with this attack. Because with Psionic Blast, it's a high base dice, and sat power combined with the extra dice with the rerolls, he'll usually gain more power than he spends, especially in Cabal. Like, for example, I was attacking Wolverine in my in the last battle report we did. And I attack, I spent four power to reroll and gained seven power from the attack. Because <laughs> I... I Sapped power three times, did three damage, and then gained another power for dealing damage. I was like, this seems fair. He's like, and the next deck's like, I'll reroll all of it. Like, it's whatever. So so once you get the ball moving, it becomes a much greater force than in its base. If you start a turn with Modoc with just one power, you've probably messed up some way. So it's about keeping power on him for later. Because once he starts using his Psionic Blast and spending power for rerolls... It just keeps running. It you just keep replenishing your power with your attacks, and so that's that's really where it, where it comes down is you need to get that happening. Um, next up, obviously the ability to throw people or throw train at people. It's basically just four damage for two power, which is just silly amazing. Uh, his doomsday chair is potentially amazing if you can get it to use it in the right situation. Uh, if you have six power starting with him, you can do uh, four seven dice attacks and everything lines up perfectly. And so that's obviously a huge amount of output. And then if you have any more power on top of that, or like you're playing in Cabal and you're going to start gaining power every time you deal damage, you can start rerolling a decent amount of those dice as well. And this is where we talked about like Zemo bunkers happen, where it's like Modoc can roll enough dice to make those attacks worth it. Um, Battle of Will Modoc is kind of offensive, uh, but not really. You pretty much, pretty much setting up other people by moving people into good positions for you. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much his offense. Uh, does anybody else have anything to say about Modoc and his offense? Are we ready for numbers? The only thing I would say is that Modoc's one of those characters that looks like he only does one thing, and then when you activate him, he'll do like he'll have four or five activations worth of damaging effects will occur yeah. before he's done. He is he is deceptively uh, active every turn. You definitely get that feeling when he's activating and he says something like, oh, and then now I'm going to do this. And you're like, he's not done yet? Yeah. What is happening? I don't understand. It's like, how is he not finished? Okay, so Jeremy, why don't you give me a number for Modoc's offense that isn't 10? Because you would be wrong. 11. Um, I mean, here, so... Off the podcast. <laughs> so I didn't uh, really get to say my you're piece. Thin ice, dude! Shut the fuck up! So he does have a basic uh, six mystic attack, which is freaking phenomenal. Gain power with rerolls, with sap power. Uh, Doomsday Chair, you talked about it. Um, eight at least, as like, uh, it, it's at least an eight. Because he has range four, good lord. 
I'm at an eight. Okay. I am willing to accept the at least an eight argument. Uh, I'm also going to say eight. Um, I could be talked up to nine, but I think eight is probably more correct because there are everyone's had those games where like you just can't get the ball moving. I have. Oh, Modoc can play, do that. If you play Modoc a lot, like you have those games where he just kind of doesn't do anything, just because you just can't get the initial damage to get enough power to start re-rolling all your attack dice. If you flub both rolls, you're gonna have a rough game. That first, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so much of him is getting early success, and it just builds to later success. Um, in the right situation, I could see a nine, but I think that's more of a product of like cosmic invigoration. Or Dark Rain applying more to him than he is base. Don't we have to apply his cards, though? We've used everybody else's tactic cards how we want to. No, I'm not saying we shouldn't. I, I'm saying I'm happy with an 8, but I could possibly be talked up to a 9. That's what I'm saying. Parker, crunch the numbers. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, Parker, give us a number. Uh, I would... Uh, in terms of, like, possible output... And his ability to just keep going. He's the Energizer Bunny, I think. Like, that's the good, like, an analogy for him on the board. He, do, he, he doesn't go super fast or far, but uh, it's... Sorry, actually, does doesn't go super fast, but he does go very far. And it's just over and over and over. And what's funny about him is I, I have seen him so many times on the table, been like, well, shit, I'm out of things to do. There's no terrain around me. Everyone nearby is dead or dazed. So I guess I'll just stop right now on 7 power. And you're just like... God, that seems <laughs> yeah. that that seems so 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 strong, right? Uh, the fact that he he can do all of that and not even blow every single gasket, um, I think he's deserving of a, a nine for that reason. And the only reason why he's not a ten, in my personal opinion, in this game, is that he uh, he doesn't just do it whenever he wants to. It's not a switch he can flip. He has to jump through a hoop or two to get up to that, like the ramp up period. But once he ramps up, he's just such a monster offensively. He just does so many things. Also, he, he gets around a lot of things in the game that you need to get around. Like he can move, um, uh, he moved, he can throw terrain. So now you got to dodge that, or he's got the attacks, the multiple damage types. Like he's got all of the things you really, really want to see a character have. And he's got, so I think he's a nine. Hmm. I think this is kind of, he's definitely not a 10. I think we all agree that he's not a 10. Um, and it's kind of like the Thor argument for he's not a 10, which is he doesn't have the ability to say take 12 damage. Like he can't do that. Mm -hmm. But his average damage is so consistently high and is so easily to apply to people because he hits from so far away. I think that's what brings him up to the nine is because it's so hard to have Modok staring at you and not get dazed. Like, it's basically people like Hulk and Thanos, like the people that survive his activations when he's trying to kill you, is like those kinds of people. It's just people that just have such a well of hit points and damage reduction behind them that they're going to be able to live through it just because you can't roll enough dice to get him. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's that's why he's not a 10. But I think I think I'll agree with you guys that he's a 9. I think that's okay. Nobody's going to be mad at us for rating Modoc a 9 on offense. Okay, moving on. We have Modoc's defense. Uh, so he's got 14 total hit points, 10 on the front, which is actually super relevant because 
um, being able to stay healthy and still contest objectives while on the healthy side for so long is great. Uh, his defensive stats are really lackluster, but psionic force field easily makes up for that. Oh, easily. So. Uh, easily, yeah. Uh, but then he's got also potential to reroll his defense dice so they become even more quality than they already are. Um, Anyone who's tried to kill Modok knows like, he doesn't go down easy. He's one of the the blaster types that definitely just keeps going. Um, do you guys have anything you want to say about his defense? Uh, the one thing I'll point out that uh, if you've never played against Modok before... The first time you're like, oh, I have this really cool wild effect. <laughs> and then you shoot it at him. You're like, oh, wait, that's I mm-hmm. I think the fact that he cancels wild effects in the game is such a is so ball busting. Uh, it's so yeah. frustrating because you don't get to do your cool yep. thing. Like everybody takes models one to do their cool yep. thing and it, you just can't. You don't get to. And he's size four. So there's so many people that can't even throw him like right. you can't even get him off a point. Yeah, he's immune to so many things in the game. Actually, I can just flip over here and tell you uh, exactly how many people can throw him. I'm going to check real quick. So while you're checking, I'm just going to add a couple things here. So the force field and the no wilds. Yeah, they can't do the cool thing. And also, they're not doing damage. Like, that's part of the ways to damage somebody, for the love of God. Like, you're looking at your dice. Oh, take six. Wait, only take two. Or take three. Like, it's horrible. Also, a defensive stat is also on here as a control stat as well, I believe, because he can move any number of dudes a fuck away from him. Like, that means that most most dudes are only going to get one attack unless they have a gun, which means they're not moving, so that's usually fine. Um, yeah, I, he's legit. I mean, and his giant health pool can be a problem. Especially if you've tooled your list to be like, I'm going to heal him. Watching MODOK go back to full health makes you want to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. So how many people can throw him? Okay, so <laughs> it looks like a lot, actually. Oh. Uh, so people that can throw enemies of size 4 or more, we have Hulk, Drax, Kingpin, Red Skull, Ronin, Thanos, Thor, and Groot. Now where this gets a little sad is when we look at how many people only throw on Wilds. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Which is... Uh, so Thor's attack, Thanos's attack, Ronin's attack, Red Skull can do it, but that's because he has to inflict damage first, I believe. Let me double check. Um, oh no, did I read this wrong? Oh no, if it deals damage, you can throw the character. Yeah, so that was correct. So if Red Skull inflicts damage on him first, then he can throw him. Uh, Kingpin can. And Hulk can not throw him with his attack. I haven't checked Drax. I don't know the wording on his thing. I believe it's a wild. <laughs> Hulk can't throw Drax him. That's throw funny. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, these are their attacks that target yeah, enemies. Yeah. And then we have people who could just spend an action to do it. And so we've got Red Skull. Uh, I don't think Kingpin can because th- Kingpin, I believe, only throws size three people. This is actually kind of interesting. I hope this isn't bad airtime, but... Uh, yeah, so Kingpin's Hail to the King is non-size dependent, uh, and it auto-happens. So Groot, Kingpin, Red Skull can throw him. And then Thor, Hulk, and Black Dwarf can do it with actions. And so there are six characters in the game currently that can throw him. That sounds fun. And I think there's like 64 characters currently in the game. Hmm. So, 
less than 10% of the characters in the game can throw Modok. It's so fun to be hit by Modok, too, being hucked at you. <laughs> ah! Yeah. <laughs> it hurts so bad. Yeah. Okay, so back to the rating. So defense uh, for Modok. He got a 22.4 on defense, which is obviously because he's expensive and has bad defense dice. He was actually on the lower end of the formula, but it doesn't take into account the psionic force field or his ability to reroll. Uh, do you guys want me to go first with numbers? What do you guys think? Go for it. Go ahead. I think he's at least a six. Uh, 14 hit points is definitely on the above average side, but also having 10 of it on the front, which means he gets to use his better defensive stats. Well, not defensive stats, but his better defensive rules on the front for longer. Uh, psionic force field's probably like top five most annoying rules in the game. Like not getting to use your wilds is so frustrating. Like I have Hulk smashed Modok probably a dozen times throughout the course of us playing this game. And I've probably done two damage on average. Like, it's so frustrating to detect someone losing, like, one-fifth of your total damaging... Or, sorry, one-quarter of your total damaging results. In addition to not getting your your wild effects is just so punishing. Uh, so, he's at... What did I say? Six? I think I said six. I think he's at least a six. I could very easily be talked up to a seven. Parker, what do you think? Um... I think the ability to t- to make uh, every dice that's rolled against him in the game have one side that's blank. Uh, or wait, wait, how many wilds are there in a dice? Is two or is it one? There's yeah. one, and there's normally two blanks. Uh, so that, so basically, you you make th- every die in the game a th- uh, three blanks, and it just so happens that the one you make blank is a wild, which is tied to so many different effects that so many characters count on as part of the reasons why you took them. Um, yeah, he's practically immune to yeah. bleed. Like, he might as well yeah. be. <laughs> like, who's going to bleed uh, him? I think it's, like, Drax, I think, has it on a bleed, but that's, like, about it. Um, he's maybe, immune maybe to Flurry. Uh, I think Drax is on a wild. Yeah, he's immune to Flurry. He's immune to Flurry. Like, he's... Uh, Drax only bleeds on a wild. So does Star-Lord and uh, Zemo and uh, Hawkeye. Is it Gamora? There's a lot of people that... Maybe Gamora does. Uh, Venom auto-bleeds. There you go. So there you go. Venom is a good person to attack Modok because he's weakest to physical and he likes to reroll his dice. And Venom doesn't care about rolling wilds. So Venom's probably the best person to attack Modok. Uh, but Venom's a big spoiler. Venom is a big spoiler for a lot of defensive abilities in the game. So I think sure, yeah, that's kind of his, yeah. his role. So I I, I like um I, I like saying that Modok um for his for for his stats and that ridiculous ability alone. Uh, I want to give him probably. Oh man, it's just so. Ah, I hate to give him a seven. I, I want to give him a six. Uh, I say six. Why do do you hate to give him a seven because you don't think he deserves it, or you don't want to give him seven because that's how uh, he is? I don't want to give him a seven because I feel like the NPE of the experience is is clouding my judgment. Like we're like, all right, I rolled a wild. Now you could do this thing, and then you, and then the Modoc player goes, no, you don't. And I go, oh yeah. <sighs> like like so is. I think we're all in agreement. Psionic force field is better than damage reduction, correct? Like it's yes, definitely absolutely. better than damage reduction. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, so is it better than Thanos's damage reduction? The always one period. It's almost always one. I think it is because not it's it's a twenty five percent reduction in damage and prevents wild effects mm-hmm. from triggering. So I uh, I let me. So what are you saying? A seven? You think? 
Parker? I actually said a six because I feel like I, I feel like my judgment's being I felt like my judgment's being clouded we, by the fact that he you know he he's it's such a we both experience. said six but we also both said we basically could be talked up to seven. Um, just for the fact of take away almost everything else in the game, you still have to manage ten wounds. Period. That's yeah, insane I'm, amounts of which, wounds. I'll go to a seven. I'll be the guy. Add all the other shit in there. I'm I'm gonna go up to a seven as well. You know what? Let's all go up to a seven. Let's do it. <laughs> We're all gonna be. No one wants to be seven last. bros. <laughs> we'll all hold hands and he's jump designed. In. I think he's designed also, for more than killing. Yeah, son of a. How bitch. about this? The justification for seven. He does his shit from so far away, and he moves you away with his mind. Like he just walks you out mm-hmm. of range. Yeah. And so it's not just that you have to do ten damage through the reduction in in dice effectiveness. And the ability effectiveness, you also have to close the gap to do it. So I think that's the seven. Uh, support. Um, he surprisingly doesn't have a lot of support for how much it feels uh, like. Uh, tactics cards. Moving. Tactics cards. Yeah, but moving enemies is more of a control tactics thing. Cards. So yeah, I I can fucking hear you. <laughs> you. I'm not deaf. He's all. Okay, so for tactics cards, we have. Two, there is Aim Lackeys, which costs three as an active card. Um, choose an allied character. That character performs a move action in addition to their other actions the next time they activate this round. Which, interestingly, I guess you can play on dazed people. I just thought about if you go, if you feel dressing them later. huh? And then the other one is Psychic Fortress. Which is... Modok may spend three power to play this card. Modok games cover this round. Allied characters gain cover while within range four of Modok this round, which is amazing. Yeah, uh, it's better than me- me- magnetic refraction because it's a longer range. It costs one more and it doesn't refresh itself, but the the area it covers is noticeably larger because it's not only in an extra range; he's on a bigger base as well. Um, so that's cool. Uh, so support for Modok. Um, what do you rate his tactic cards at? I'll start because I feel like uh, one of the things I love about those tactics cards is they'll replace because they are just noticeably better than a lot of the generic like uh, defensive or uh, movement cards in the game. Uh, one of the reasons why mm-hmm. you may put Modok in a list is you're like, okay, I really want to have mobility in this game. Or I really want to have uh, you know extra defense against range or both. I really like that he it's both that he can play both in the game. Like I said, he oftentimes sits at the end of the turn going, well, everybody's dead, and I still have five power, so uh, uh, let's move, or let's all be harder to kill. Uh, I really, mm-hmm. I, I think he uses his support powers a lot, but there's only one limitation, obviously, which is they're once per game. So that, that's the big thing. you got to value how much is it, how much is it only going to be useful once per game? So if you're in a game where it's only useful once, then it's amazing. But if you're in a game where you need it more than once, then you're you know, losing some of the value from some other effects you might be able to take in your list. So as an example, we rated Venom a three on support. And Venom is basically Web Snare plus um, Lethal Protector, right? That's his su- support. And Web Snare is more of control anyway. So I think I'm okay rating him a three. Do you think he should be higher or lower than a three? Probably? I would actually say he's a four. I think he's a four. Uh, and it's, and the only reason why he's not a five is it's once per game. Uh, and it takes up a tactic slot, which is maybe uh, a problem. Uh, I guess that is that is the one that's another part of the double-edged sword, which is if you're taking him in like a, a criminal and cabal, 
uh, you might not be able to get all his tax cards. Yeah, you, usually you can't afford to take both because you'd have to be playing a single faction roster to justify two tactic slots on one character. Because generally you're playing one or two tactics cards for each affiliation, and then if you also have two on Modoc, you would literally have to put Modoc in every list, or else you wouldn't have a five a five card roster. Uh, and if you did do like one Cabal card, two Criminal cards, two Modoc cards. Well, now you're running, and you run Cabal, you're taking, like, literally you don't have any options. Like, you're you're maxed out. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's pretty close. Uh, I'm going to say three still, because it does cost you a lot roster-wise, and Modoc is in multiple factions. I think a lot of people take Modoc out of faction, because he's so good. And so, I, I think you're not going to get those tactic cards as often as you think you will. But you'll probably get one of them. Jeremy, what do you think? Um, just to be on the low end, I, I hate to think this guy can do everything, so I'll just go with a two. A two? Deal so with well, it's going to average to a three? Correct. Okay. I think two is probably closer to correct. Uh, so moving on, we have Control. Uh, so obviously, Bow to the Will Modoc is amazing. It's actually better than the times, or the Mind Stone. Because you can use it more than once per turn. It just has to target different people. Um, so obviously huge. Uh, gets to throw terrain around, which is more of just an offensive thing. But sap power, he gets steal power from people, which against some people like Ultron is really punishing. He, he also has the power to use all of his stuff. That's what's cool. Is mm-hmm. not only does he have it on his card, he generally will do all of this to people. So I mean... That, to me, earns a point by itself. Like, he can fuel his shenanigans. Um, mm-hmm. So, wherever he lands, which is... You know, it's one, two, three, four. Um, I mean, being able just to move that many people that are all range three short is really a pain in the ass. I mean, that's huge. I, I'd put him at a five. Maybe higher. I'm okay. I'm, I'm totally fine with a five. Uh... Do you think he's a six? Like, what does it t- What would he need to get to a six then? Um, for the range of control, an additional thing other than just a power. That. You know what I mean? Like, it's a power. He can mm-hmm. do that, and he can't throw people. It is just basically, stuff. yeah. It's it's just bow to the will. Modok is really what we're talking mm-hmm. about. It is really good. Uh, does it get him to a six by itself? What do you think, Parker? Um, no, I don't think it's. I I think one control ability. It, that is really strong, and, and there's there's only one other like it, and it's noticeably, uh, it's 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 worse. And people pay like a whole uh, character slot and character you know threat points for it, so uh, it's definitely really valuable in the game. So I think that automatically kicks him up a lot, but I don't think it kicks him up to this to the sky as a as a control character primarily, which is what I think of when I think mm-hmm. of like a six plus. I think this is character is going to be a controller, so. I I think a five is appropriate. I think I agree. Five. Uh, I think more often than not, you're not going to have, you're not going to ever use it twice, except for very rare occasions. Because when are you activating that you've got multiple people within range three and none of them get dazed or killed by Modok? Yeah. Like, that's the question I have. Like, like how is there still two people alive in this bubble? And so, I don't know. Uh, so moving on, uh, I think he's a blaster. He's definitely more intended to deal damage than control people, I think we would agree. Yeah. Does anyone disagree? 
He's designed for killing. Yes. Designed only for killing. <laughs> and for living forever. <laughs> and not dying and yeah. controlling. <laughs> All right. So, Jeremy, we have a 9735 blaster for five points. Why don't you tell me what you think about that? What's your what's your overall mouthfeel on a Modoc? The number one most important thing that I'd like to make clear for everyone, and you're probably, this is 13 episodes in, so everyone probably owns Modoc at this point, but if you don't, for the love of God, buy him. He is one of the most fun things that you can do in Marvel Crisis Protocol. He blows shit up, he manipulates the board, and he is damn near impossible to lose on accident. You know when he's going down, it's happening. Um, he is so much fun. And for five points, he fits pretty good just about wherever you want him. Um, man, I, I'd love to put, I, I feel an eight. Like, he is so goddamn solid. He might be a nine. Um, maybe I'm missing something and you guys claim a seven, but I'm comfortable with an eight. Uh, so I have something very important to say to you. Yes. Uh, I think an eight is his floor. Okay. So, uh... When you but when you say that people need to go out and buy him, uh, I would recommend the opposite. Actually, no one should go out and buy him. <laughs> you, should, you should stop buying him because I recently lost a friend to Modoc. I think everyone needs to be aware I of the danger of Modoc to, to, to friends you have. <laughs> the danger uh, of Modoc. <laughs> oh, Modoc ruins friendships. I will tell you this. <laughs> he definitely does. I remember back in the day one time. When I was trying to kill Modok, and I think I had Hulk roll five wilds against Modok to daze him, and I lost the game because <laughs> I didn't daze Modok, and he killed Hulk. And I, I remember never wanting to play a game again after that game. You bowed to the will of Modok, you son uh, of a bitch. Jason just played Wolverine into Modok for the second time, which is just like brain melty extravaganza. Mm. Like he's just like I'm Mystic too, and like just gets obliterated. <laughs> So, yeah, it's like it's great because he attacks him for a bunch of damage, steals all of his power and then walks him out of melee range. And he's like, have fun in your corner. And he's like, but I'm Wolverine. <laughs> like, yep. Berserker barrage. Uh, yeah. So I think he's at least an eight. I would initially say he's at least a nine. Like maybe not at least nine, but I think he's a nine. So just for clarity, other people we've rated an eight are Valkyrie, Corvus Glaive, Thanos, which might be a little high because he is really taxing on the points. Rocket Raccoon, and Miles Morales. The only other person we've rated a 9 is Shuri. And I'm of the opinion he's on par with Shuri for bananas. Like, this oh. character is... When he gets when he gets chosen to be in a squad, he becomes the focal point of every game he's in. It is, can you deal with MODOK or can you protect MODOK? That's the game. And very rarely does it deviate outside of that. Parker, go. Uh, I think um, he is, he is, uh, <laughs> there is a, like gold standard models, I think, in every miniatures game that you stack every, every model up to this one. And they always are found in some way, like relative to that one. And those kind of gold standards, they, they're called the gold standards because they never depreciate in value. Like it doesn't matter how many expansions there are. It doesn't matter how many new rules are added. This model will always be a model that you can count on and come back to, and it's going to continue performing. It just never seems to go out of style. MODOK is that for Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um, for that reason, I think he deserves a 9. Uh, 
and I, I don't I don't know if you can give him a ten, uh, but if if that was the qualification for a ten, uh, a model that was never ever ever going to be forgotten, you were always going to see Modok being played, then maybe he is a ten. I, I would say uh, I'd say the floor is an is an eight. He he definitely is a nine, um, and I would if somebody told me that he should be a ten, I would go yeah okay. Okay, I like your your points you made there. Uh, so another way to look at this, maybe Jeremy, did you want to say something real quick? Yeah, I have one more point. Would you feel okay paying six points for Modoc? I gotta say, I probably would. Yeah, there's definitely lists I would put. I would pay six points for him in. I don't think it's nearly as often as I no. would pay five. No, but I do think the the situation exists that I would definitely choose to pay six. Um. If they added his point cost to six, you would still see him. It would just be far less often. Uh, how about the the point I was going to make? And I think it's kind of along the same concept that you have there. So if you had to name the characters better than MODOK, how long is that list? It's, ob- it's awfully short, right? At best. Mm-hmm. Even if there is anybody on that list. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, maybe Doctor Strange, maybe Magneto, probably not. I think, I think MODOK's more effective than Magneto. Um, but that's like like a very very short list. Uh, I agree. So that's one way to look at this to say does he deserve a ten? Another way to look at it is is it okay to make characters better than Modok? If they printed a character that was just like five percent better than Modok, is that character too good for the game? I think we're we're already asking these questions. Um, I think you've sold me on mm-hmm. a nine. I don't know that I'd go a ten because I don't know that exists yet. But I, I think he's definitely a nine. I'd be sold on that. Okay. I think I'm in the same spot. I think a nine is, is correct. Jer- Parker, I think you agree. Yep. Also nine it shall be uh, also a, a little a little side a little side thing. Uh he's a really clear, like clever, interesting character in the universe. Like he's just got he's interesting. Like he's such a interesting he's such, he's such a weird character. Uh if he's fascinating. People, people. There's a reason why he shows up in comics all the time. There's a reason he is quirky. Yeah, he's going to have his own uh, animated show uh, on Hulu. Yeah, I'm very like, excited for that. The, the fact that everyone's excited for a Modok show, like, what is that? It's because he's he's. There's something about his weird appeal. That's another thing that I love. I don't think it factors into it, yeah. but man, he's got appeal. All right, let's blaze through these last two. All right, so next up we have Red Skull. Leader of the Cabal, uh, as I like to call him, Johann Sebastian Schmidt. Uh, he is four points. He has six health on both sides. Speed medium, size two. Defenses are four, three, three. He has the standard strike that pushes on a wild, pushes target short away. Uh, first range attack is Cosmic Blast. Range four, five dice, cost one energy, has sap power. Unleash the cube, range four, seven dice, cost four. If this tech deals damage, you may throw the target away short. Oh, no, sorry. It does not say away. Just throw it short. Uh, and on a wild, it reality warps. After the attack is resolved, the, char- the target character and character within range one suffered the stun condition. Uh, so that's pretty cool. You can throw him into a pile of people, and then they all take damage. Affiliation, Master of Evil, Cabal. Each time an allied character damages an enemy character with an attack, after the attack is resolved, the, char- the attacking character gains a power. Uh, one of the best affiliations for power generation. Um, obviously, there's a lot of cool interactions with that. 
Cosmic Cube, uh, this character gains three power as an action. Roll five dice. For each skull rolled, you suffer one damage. Uh, costs zero power. Master of the Cube, choose an... Choose this character or another allied character within range four of this character. Place it within two of its current position. Uh, this character can be a character can be placed by this power only once per turn. Cost three. I guess I just realized that you can actually use it more than once. I never realized that. Nobody's ever done that. Then we have Hail Hydra. This character is targeted by an attack. It may use the superpower. Choose an allied character within range two. They become the target of the attack. Cost two. So, offense. I think this is uh, one of the things that a lot of people have a, a bad perception of this character on. They look at him as a purely support character and don't like value his ability to attack people. And I don't know why. Because he has one of the best attacks in the entire game. And his attacks are just good. Like He's above average across the board. So like Unleash the Cube obviously is amazing. It's an attack that throws without needing a wild. And it's a 7 dice energy attack for a reasonable amount of power. Like, that's great, right? And then basically has better than Explosion because stunning people is awesome. And then Cosmic Blast, like, has sap power and people don't use it because it costs a power to use. And I'm like, so? he has, He's in, he's the Cabal leader and it has sap power. Like, you're gonna gain power when you attack with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just don't understand why there's such a, like, a negative attitude towards his offensive output. I think people... Just don't put him in position to make attacks. Well, because he can't really do both. That's the problem. He can't really do both well. Why not? Tell me why. <sighs> he uses one Tell action. Tell me why. He uses one action to Master of Cube, okay. so he'll gain the three, right? And the second action... Uh, the action is Cosmic Cube, but yeah. yeah. Uh, he yes, tries to eat correct. the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Uh, so he wants to do that. And that's one action. And then, so the next action is, who's within four? Do I move somebody? Do I, it's, and then he can strike, of course. He could do that one for free. Uh, He can Cosmic Blast a little bit. But usually the way it ends up working when I'm playing him is he wants to move up and do something. Like he needs to be somewhere and do something. Um, I think a lot of times people tend to play him like he's Wong. And so he's a support oh, yeah. character, so he needs to be in the back line. But he doesn't need to be in the back line. He's no. one of the toughest characters in Cabal. Like He's not obscenely hard to kill, but he has Hail Hydra if you start getting attacked by stuff you don't like. He has range four to move people, so he can, he can be up there in the mix a little bit. And so obviously turn one, you're going to cube and move. But if you ha- if you practice good positioning and don't use the Master of the Cube as a crutch, I think you can actually get him in position to make attacks and not have to just follow people around moving them. I think I think that's a mistake a lot of people make. Because how many games has the game basically been over and Red Skull's in the back with 10 power on the healthy side? You're like, why didn't you contribute to the game? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, he's like, I was just watching. It was fun. Like... Yeah, Red Red Skull is is my kind of commander because he's actually the, for for the first time ever I could actually yeah. shoot the gun. You want to shoot I could gun. actually shoot the gun mm-hmm. as opposed to every other time where I take characters that should not be shooting the gun and I make them do it anyway and lose. Even if you just follow Modok around and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to attack Red Skull." And you're like, "Ooh, that's like a really good attack or like Hulk smash or something." It's like, "Y'all yeah, just throw that to Modok who's going to like take a couple damage and laugh at you." Or I'm going to send it to uh, Zemo, 
who's going to, because it's a physical attack, going to re-roll all of his dice and then some, and then counter-strike you. Like, it's actually, I think, pretty hard to bring him down. Now, obviously, you're not always going to have multiple targets for Hail Hydra, but I think he just needs to be more aggressive in a lot of the games I see him played. Because, honestly, no one's going to target Red Skull. Everyone's going to try and kill MODOK first. Yeah, Cabal has more fragile, dangerous characters like Killmonger and uh, Baron, and uh, big powerhouse characters that are terrifying like MODOK, so they, they will often leave Red Skull for last, and he could be you know, chipping away damage in there very consistently. Mm. Yeah. I mean, just on turn two, you could be looking at unleashing the cube or even unleashing the cube twice, potentially, depending on the situation. Mm. Because you do the first unleash the cube, you got four power turn one, you got four power turn two if you use mass, if you use cosmic cube again. You probably don't have to, though, because you're up to five without it. So you attack them, now you're up to six. Like, it's... In some situations, you could get, like, a lot of use out of Unleash the Cube throughout the game if you just don't rely on Cosmic Cube as, like, a fundamental part of the way you play the game. It's kind of like Avengers Assemble, I think. A lot of uh, Avengers players would have really bad positioning early on in their careers because they were so used to Avengers Assemble just bailing them out of bad positioning. They didn't even try and get better at it. And so when you stop playing Avengers, you kind of get used to playing the normal way, and then going back, then Avengers Assemble is just icing on the cake. So, anyway, I've talked way too long about this. So, offense. Uh, I say he's at least a six. He's got two great attacks. That's my opinion. Uh, he can supply his own power, which is cool. He has uh, the ability to use it. Unleash the cube is badass. He can use it. Uh, his strike, eh, it kind of sucks. But he does have two different types, and he does have the best type of attack, which is Energy, we've figured that out. Uh, I have no problem with a five or six. Six is fine. He's all right. Uh, I will actually say that... Parker, give me a number. uh, I'm actually going to say a five. And it's the only reason why I give a five is he doesn't throw. That's really the only thing. Like, he doesn't have any automatic damage. He's got to roll dice. He does throw. Where does he throw? Unleash the cube throws. If he does damage, he throws short. Oh, in any I'm sorry. I was looking at the wild for reality warp. Uh, you're yeah. correct. He does throw with unleashed. No, cube. the the wild just stuns. Yeah, the wild stuns. But... but the best part is if you trigger the wild, the stun happens after he gets thrown. So you're going to stun someone else too. Yeah, because you throw him into the target you'd like to to stun. Yeah. Oh uh, no. Uh, yeah. The never mind. So you never you mind. unleash the cube Hulk, throw Hulk into Cap, and then they both get stunned. No. And you laugh at them. Uh, I did not. I do. I did not read the first bullet on Unleash the Cube. No, he definitely deserves to be. Uh, he definitely deserves. You know what? I think he deserves a six. Yeah, yeah. You said six or seven. I said six. Okay, six. Six it is. We're moving on to defense. He is a four-three-three that can shunt off attacks with Hail Hydra. Uh, he has no other defensive abilities. He got a 30 on the defense matrix, uh, but he does tend to damage himself a bit. So I think you have to bake in. He's going to take a couple damage at least throughout a game. So he's really got like 10 hit points. So, Jeremy, what do you think? You've played this guy a few times. He's he's fairly survivable. Um, uh, probably slightly more than average. He doesn't generally have two power on him when his turn is over and people are beating on him. Um, <laughs> so... I, I I feel good around a four or a five. He's very killable. I think, yeah, he definitely has to be above average. I think he's 
noticeably above average. I think a five is probably fair, mostly just because of Hail Hydra. Like, if you wanted him to survive, he's going to survive. He's also rarely going to be their primary target. That, like, he's only yeah. really going to get attacked if he's already taken a bunch of damage. That's so. about right. Yep. Nobody messes with him. Yeah. Yeah. He has... Parker, do you agree with I the agree five? I agree with the five, because he's kind of got plot armor with the rest of his faction, right? Like, his, yeah. his faction just, like, mm-hmm. is so intimidating. Uh, you don't usually go for him. All right. So, support. Oh, baby. Do we have some support. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, obviously Master of the Cube is a huge amount of support. He also has one of the best faction abilities. Um, that's probably the end of the support, but God, those are two really good things. Yeah, I, a Master of Evil, the the Affiliation Cabal rule, uh, is so, so interesting. Like, I have, I have, I have spent time scouring the game for interesting interactions between characters and Master of Evil. The Master of Evil, as a rule, just enables some characters to go from good to great instantly, just because they're in a list of Thread Skull. That's so, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we built a list around Hela just because she, of her interaction right. with this ability. Right, uh, she can do the same thing to uh, Captain Marvel. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, there are other characters that benefit from it, like anybody with Rapid Fire, um, like the uh, Agent Widow, Punisher, um characters that uh, get power just for tapping somebody like nebula um there's so many there's so many characters that love to have it and then also of course he's in a very offensive the 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 cabal faction is tends toward leans towards offensive potential and so they're constantly powering their amazing offensive potential that the cabal members have it's very synergistic and super you know just just it's just a it's not even a knife it's a it's a damn guillotine just coming right through you Okay, so I think we would rate Master of Evil probably a four out of ten just on mm. its own, and cause or Master of the Cube would probably get at least a three on its own as well. But on a character that generates enough power to actually use it, I don't know. It might be so. So I, we basically have two abilities that could be arguably be a four on their own. So do where does that put him? Does he get upwards of a six? Does he go higher than that? Is he lower than that? I was honestly thinking a six before you even started with that. Uh, that the way to yeah. look at it. I can. That's where I started as well. Have you guys tried Master of so Evil? So you're happy with a six, Jeremy? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just. Has anybody tried the Master of Evil with anybody who attacks four times? That's actually like a three pointer. The problem is you have to deal. You have to deal damage though, and a lot of those like you're likely to deal damage over time, but. You're not going to deal damage with all four attacks. And also, a lot of those characters don't need a lot of power. Like, they already have power, actually. I was just immediately thinking about Bullseye. Um, I like, he can just do four. Like, can he pay for yeah. it with all that? I don't know. Just a thought. Does he? Bullseye. Does he have the, the auto fire thing? I thought he did. Oh, you mean on his big attack? His pin cushion attack, his four cost attack, does rapid fire. That, okay. No, the... After this attack resolved, this character makes an additional pinkish attack without paying the cost. The additional attack must target the original target. Uh, it also ignores cover and applies bleed. Yeah, punish. So you have to deal damage to get. You have to deal damage to get the the bonus power from Cabal. But then Bullseye's "I never miss" thing does not work because it's not part of the attack. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, Punisher and Black Widow are the best rapid fires for Cabal, probably. Because they both have. 
Well, you could actually argue that Bullseye could almost power his his big attack if you played him in Cabal. But mm-hmm. I, I was just I, thinking I when I, I saw that. I still don't think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. All right, so where are we at? Hipfire is cool. I just don't know what you would do with all that goddamn power. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Red Skull. Uh, Jeremy said six. I agree with six. Uh, Parker, do you agree with six? Yes, do I do. you think he's higher? Do you think he's lower? Uh, I actually think he's right at a six. you think he's higher? No, I think he's right at a six. I like oh, that. Oh, you agree. Okay. So six. Six, six, six. Got it. Uh, so control. Uh, he has push on a wild on his strike, which is pretty meh. Uh, sat power for control is pretty meh. Reality warp is not terrible because it applies stun. And then obviously being able to throw with unleash the cube. But unleash the cube isn't going to happen all the time. Uh, I would probably say a three. He's got a lot of little parts of control, which gives him options. But really, we're talking about Unleash the Cube, which is some pretty good control, because it's a throw, and it's potentially stun. All of It's worth mentioning that all of his control has a condition. Wilds or dealing That's damage. True. Every, it's all wilds. Yeah, or, or damage. Unleash the Cube's throw is a dealing damage. So, mm-hmm. Which is likely, but not 100% chance. So you have... There's nothing on his card that says... I just control somebody or I just apply an effect. It doesn't actually happen. And I think that's one of the reasons that brings his, his control way down than some of the, compared to some of the other controllers in the game. Okay. So what do you think? Two? It's basically two or three. Cause he's obviously not one. Cause he has control. I think it's a two. I've Jeremy, played, I've played this is him. an audio format. Please don't hold yeah, yeah. up a number. I, of I gotcha. No, I know. I was just <laughs> wading through it. Um, he's uh, to me, I've played mm. him a ton. And usually the game is become somewhere around Red Skull can't do shit about this situation that's about to happen. Because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> him sitting on four power to be able to do that is so rare. It does happen, whatever. I, so, bottom line, two. Okay. I'll agree with the two. Parker, do you agree? Uh, I was actually leaning towards the three for a moment just because of the variety of stuff you can do. But I don't like that it's all conditional. Um, so I think the conditionality of it is probably yeah. two. Yeah, the rarity of actually using Unleash the Cube, which is his primary source of control, and then also it's it's stipulationed, and yeah, it's it's probably closer to a two than a three, but it's worth saying that it, if he lands Unleash the Cube, it's super worth it. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? I take it back. I'm going to go with a three. I'm going to round up with Parker. Okay. Because if you land Unleash the Cube and you're throwing one character and stunning two... That's got to be worth more than a two. Like, there's a lot of people that are, like, little piddly twos that do basically nothing but, right. like, an occasional push. Like, what do we give? Like, Iron Man's at least a two, and this guy has way more control yeah. than Iron Man. So, I think we have to put him at a three. Uh, so, moving on to Roll. Uh, it's basically, is he a controller or is he a blaster? And I think he's obviously, or no, sorry, a defender or a blaster. I think he's obviously a defender. Yeah. Because his primary goal is to help his teammates win mm-hmm. through pain. To enable them. Through right. pain. <laughs> yeah, enable. Yeah, he's like, get up there and fight! <laughs> Alright, so we have a six-five-six-three Defender for four points. I'm going to change it up. Parker, give me an overall rating for Red Skull. Um, but the one thing about Red Skull, the only thing that holds me back from giving him an absolutely fantastic score is he does cost four... And uh, it's weird. <laughs> you're like, 
you couldn't possibly give him this huge like menu of stuff that he has and make him three points. But a four point leader is 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 always just kind of tough. It's always stickier when you're trying to uh, make lists. Um, so. Um, I mean, most leaders are four points. I know. I know. Th- th- they obviously do that on purpose to force people to make hard choices as opposed to the easy mode it feels like when you get three points. The average is actually above four points. Right. The average cost of a leader is like four and a quarter. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I-, I would say that three is such a fantastic premium to have when you're building lists. It's not, it's not necessary or average. Sure. But, I mean, but, of the two factions that can do that. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I think I, I like them as leaders better. But if I'm looking at him as just a character by himself... Okay, here's actually, because of that, one other the quick tactic. I don't know when I've ever thought about ever taking Red Skull out of Cabal. You take him because he's in Cabal. How uh, He's the leader of Cabal. Therefore, I don't think you can rate him that highly. Um, however... Man, you put some characters into Cabal because Red Skull's in Cabal. Like that's it's because you're gonna you know you're gonna get moved uh, and you're going to get um uh, uh you're gonna get the Master of Evil. Uh, so I'm going to rate him as a five. I think he's right in the middle because I don't know if I ever see him outside of his faction ever. Uh, but but okay, so I'm gonna jump in yeah. here. And I'm going to point out that Jeremy just played a game against Red Skull in X-Men. Right. Would you like me to tell you how that went, in my opinion of this? Sure. <laughs> so, I'm going to put him significantly higher because of Cyclops and what is happening now. Mm-hmm. Also, eyeballing him, I've always seen him as a four-pointer. Like, ugh, I might be able to get him on a list. Like, he is actually pretty goddamn good with that move somebody too. Or just play somebody too randomly. You put Cyclops in there, then you're actually able to unleash the cube. You're actually able to build up power that then others can use. It works really well in mm-hmm. X-Men. I mean, Red Skull was kind of born to do that shit. It's pretty cool. Um, I don't know that before... And then you have you have both Cyclops and Red Skull able to move people yeah. around. Yeah. So, like... Before that came out, I would definitely be on the original rating of kind of lower. But now, mm, maybe even a seven. Like, it's really good. His his ability to just make power and his ability to just displace people and also have a really good gun that if he's not doing his faction shit and can actually be a shooter, it's actually pretty good. I, I'm actually very against the four point like negative attitude thing. Because it's only bad that he costs four points if he's not worth four points. And I don't think any of us would argue that this guy isn't worth four points. Like, this character is easily worth four points. Obviously, if you're building a faction in a vacuum and you're just thinking about number of characters you can put on the table, obviously cheaper characters are great because it gives you more flexibility. But it's not like... Like, four points used to be a lot, but, like, dude, there's nine-point characters in this game. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not a big deal. Like, you can... Two... Over two Red Skulls per Thanos. Like, <laughs> How many Red Skulls are in your list? I have two and a half Red Skulls. Yeah. Like, I play three-character lists at 19 points. Like, it's fine. Like, it's no big deal. Like, Red Skull is not the reason that doesn't happen. So, I think a lot of people... Again, I think if you are leaving your Red Skull in the back lines and not taking advantage of his good attacks, uh, then, yeah, he's not necessarily worth four points. But I think that's more of the problem. I don't think you're utilizing him correctly. 
And a lot of people think of him as a backliner, but I don't think that's where he. So goes. if Red Skulls are not a backliner, so, and now we have other cool factions to to better utilize him, he climbs. I am willing to. I'm willing to believe both of those arguments. All right. So Parker, where did you? What number did you give him? Uh, the first number I gave him was a five, but I I believe. Uh, thinking about him as, you know, I, I need to think about him outside the box that, you know, his Cosmic Cube is like. Um, if I think of him outside the cube, so to speak, then then I think the five is shortchanging him. And I'm willing to change my rating of Red Skull to a... There are only four characters in the game that got a higher support rating so far. I would, I would change it to a six, actually. I, I'm only going up one point. I think he deserves more than a five, though. A six. Strong six. I think that's correct. I I agree with a six. Jeremy? Six is good. I, I can live with that. I said a six seven. We're good. Six is fine. Okay, that moves us on to Ultron, not the master of metal. Ultron, also known as Ultron. <laughs> Ultron is a... F- <laughs> Ultron is a four-point character with six health on the front, five on the back. Speed medium, size three. Defensive stats are four, three, four. Uh, his strike is terrible. Don't use it. Uh, it is a range two, four dice, zero cost attack. Generates one power when you use it. Ooh. Alternatively, you could use his energy blast that is range four, five dice, cost zero, and generates power for damage. Uh, his big attack is Metallic Fury, range three, seven dice, cost three. Uh, can be either physical or energy damage, and bleeds on the wild. He has Analyze and Annihilate, which is a reactive power. Um, when resolving critical results, roll an additional die for each critical in the opposing defense roll. So basically, your opponent's crits add to your dice pool if you spend two. Kinetic Field Generator. Choose an interactive train feature within size, of size three within three. Throw it medium. It's a pretty solid throw. Cost three. All will be metal, which is basically irrelevant. Uh, when defending against mystic attacks, each wild in your roll counts as two successes. Never had that come up, but <laughs> who knows, maybe. Uh, he's fly and immune to bleed and poison. All right, so let's start talking about his offensive potential. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you tell us about Ultron's offense output? Mild. To f- <laughs> um, okay, so energy blast. We love energy. It's range four. It's a strength five. Okay. Okay, we like that. Uh, he can get his energy pretty quickly to do Metallic Fury. It's got bleed attached. It can be energy as well. We like that. Range three, that's all right. Um, he's got a throw. It costs three, which is not... That's not the hot spot, but we like it. Um, offensive potential, he does have a seven on his card, which is cool. Um five yep Ma- you don't like his offense mouthfeel of a five all right well as a counterpoint i think he's pretty good anyone yeah. that can throw size three terrain is is relevant he yeah. can't throw people which is a little sad uh but having a free range attack that's energy and does five dice is pretty solid uh the fact that he can affect the board from pretty far away and his good attack is still range three like that's pretty awesome uh, he is uh, functionally gets to choose his damage type when it matters. Multiple damage types, has a throw ability, doesn't have a charge, but has good range. Uh, Analyze Annihilate's not nothing. Like it, It's able to overcome the defensive dice spikes, which is nice. Um, I think he's got to be at least a six. Like He's got a good throw. That's got to get him better than five, right? I wish it was only a two-cost throw. I like those better. 
Sure, but I mean, bo- do you know how many people can throw size three stuff and it costs less than three? Probably two. Probably two. <laughs> it's Hulk and Modok, I believe, are the two. And guess Kingpin. what they're really good at? Throwing shit. Oh, well, Kingpin's is three, I think. Kingpin? He's either yeah, a two I think or three. It's three. Anywho. Parker, Parker, give me a number on offense. Uh, I actually love that Metallic Fury only costs three power. Which is actually not nothing. A lot of a lot of seven dice attacks cost four. Uh, Very reasonable. Uh, and it is not only does it have not only does it only cost three, but he's in the faction that gets a lot of power all the time, and his and his range attack also gets some power all the time, and he can it's got uh, it on effects on top of that. Metallic Fury is a really great attack on Ultron and Cabal, um, and that's not nothing. Kinetic field generator on top of that. I think just metallic fury being such a premium attack uh, for him, just such be a, a power machine. Uh, I love that he resembles exactly like he is when he's in the comic books. He's never holding on to anybody like Thanos is grabbing people's necks and body slamming them and stuff. He's always just standing there with people raining down bullets and blasts on him, and he gives no shits and he's just vaping everything around him, brawl in all directions, and he totally plays that way. I think he's got to be a six. Thank you for that number six. All right, so moving on. Defense. Uh, he got a 30 on the Matrix, which is slightly below average. Uh, defensively, he's average hit points, slightly above average on defensive stats, but he does cost four points. Uh, he's got a defensive rule, which is mostly irrelevant. Apparently, you shouldn't try and invade the mind of a robot because it's not very effective. Uh, so, Parker, give me a number for defense. Uh, man, he think? is just so standard. Uh, but this is actually where I think his tactics card has to have be part of the conversation. It uh, definitely is. So, yeah. uh, uh, Age of Ultron is is like I think probably the reason you take Ultron, um, because the ability to just come back to life with with full health is so strong and game bending when he can be dazed it basically means that when you play ultron if you have that you know magic number is it eight power for um age yeah so if you have that eight power on ultron uh or you or you're going to get it when you take the last bit of damage on him before he dies um the the guarantee of that means he functionally will live the entire game it's very difficult to see him die early unless your opponent is messing with your power on purpose. You got to be somebody like Ghost Rider or or Ronin to do that. Uh so w- when he's got to have a foil to not live forever for the cost of a tactics card, I think his defense numbers got to be really high even though his stats are not that sure. high. What's your number? Oh, you're asking me the number? Uh I want that that is initially what oh, I sorry. asked you. Yes. Uh, the number I want is because the condition is 8 power and that is steep and it, you can mess with it. I'm going to bring him down to his... So the problem with the card is, first, obviously, it takes a slot. And because it costs eight power, you tend to not spend power before he's Mm -hmm. played it. And so you don't do a lot of Metallic Fury. You don't do a lot of Kinetic Field Generator until you've already played Mm -hmm. that card. And so it actually ends up affecting his defense more than anything. Or not his defense, his Mm -hmm. offense output. I'm sorry. So he tends to do more damage later because he's kind of going for broke at that point. Uh... But we're talking about purely like we're talking about like his defense, right? Um, and we're talking about like yeah. he'll literally. Lit- How about this? Let's just throw the card out of the way. What would you say if he didn't have? Oh, age if he didn't Ultron? have Age of Ultron, I'd give him probably a four because he doesn't do anything especially. Um, 
all will be metal is one of the weirdest and silliest abilities ever. Yeah, it's the most irrelevant yeah. weird weird abilities that people have. Yeah. What number did you say? I said a four. Okay, I didn't hear you say four. Uh, so where do we put him with the addition of Age of Ultron? I say a seven. How much is a second life worth to your defense? I say seven. Jeremy, what do you think? Oh, sorry. Jeremy. I was asking Jeremy, damn it. You did. So, the, the well, it's a couple things. Number one, it causes people never to attack him or to go for bro- broke. Um, and going for broke against him doesn't mean anything necessarily because the way the dice are. Uh, I think it puts him around a nine mm-hmm. for defense, man. This guy's going to live forever, and you need a plan for that which there's like three ways to stop him from playing his card or you just throw him off objectives and stuff. You just can't do anything about it, but that's only for defense. It does. It hinders the rest of his game. Everything else revolves around it. It even takes one of your slots, which is usually stupid. Like that's one reason I don't take him because I want to take a different tactics card. Well, but you can take a, you can take Ultron without playing the tactics card. Obviously it's going to happen less often. So I'm looking at the other ratings we've been out. We gave Thanos a 10 for survivability. And the only other one, uh, an 8 or higher, is Groot. I think nine's a little high for Age of Ultron, specifically because there are counters for it, primarily through, like, Judgment and Stun or Sucker or uh, Ghost Rider's Penance Stare. So because there's a counter for it, I would say, oh, and also I think the Grievous Wounds thing would apply to this as well, because he can't remove the damage, so he'd still be dead, even after he flipped over. Um, let me double check. That's actually going to determine this a lot, because I think a lot of people are going to be playing that card soon. I will take it so down, I, I will take it down one so. number to an eight. Because stun exists, and I wasn't thinking about that. And stun isn't that uncommon. Everything else is fairly uncommon. Mm. Yeah, judgment's pretty rare. Uh, stun isn't impossible, and a lot of people that apply stun just automatically yeah, apply stun. I can see that happening. And it's not usually conditional, so they could just chase you down with their stunner person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm okay with an eight because an eight means I think an eight is reasonable. Yeah, an eight means you have he has 22 health. I mean, think of it that way. That guy has 22 freaking health. Mm-hmm. It's more actually, I mean, realistically, it's more than that because you're going to lo- potentially lose some damage when you get dazed mm-hmm. at, with potential overkill. Then they can overkill you when you get KO'd. Then they can overkill you when you get dazed again. And so there's three instances of stopping damage regardless of damage remaining. Um, so yeah, that's pretty annoying. Also, you could potentially field dressing him. Like, they actually get you dazed early on in the game. You can field dressing him just to guarantee he'll live one turn longer into the game. All right, so I think we're in agreement on an eight then. Parker, are you in agreement? Uh, I was originally saying a seven because I didn't know if it was it was double his original rating that I would give him without it. But I, I will I will say an eight is fine. Yeah, I think I have to go with an eight. It's, it's pretty rare a guy can just come back to life at full. Okay, uh, so moving on to support. Uh, he doesn't support? Nope, no support. <laughs> Alright, so you get a 1. And control. Uh, so throwing terrain is not control, because it's just extra damage. He he bleeds, so that's a 1. Yep. 1. Okay. Uh, what is he? He's a blaster. Is, is he a I blaster? I think he's one of... You don't think he's a No, brute? I think he's a blaster. I think he's like one of the, like... 
he's one of the just like a pylon, right? You just plant him somewhere and he zaps everything around him and you can't effectively remove him. He just he's a he's just a big he's just a big hmm. he's just a big pylon. Well, but that's not a blaster is like glass cannon. It, are, does it have to be? Like he obviously does well, he doesn't have to be ranged, but Maybe more of a scrapper then? I don't know. I don't really see him as a blaster. I see him as more of a brute. He kind of like wades into the fight and just stands there doing his thing regardless of what you're uh, doing. I can see that then. Yep. I see that argument. I just like blaster because he's usually doing it. Jeremy, what range. do you think? We might need a tiebreaker on this one. So so the summaries we gave when we made the classes were a brute is a tank or frontline or someone who's focused on survivability. A blaster is range damage focused. I mean, he's never punching on the head, and he's probably doing energy blast every single time until he does metallic fury, which is also range. I, I can see what Parker's saying here. I, I would give him the pylon. Well, I guess the question is, is he focused more on dealing damage or staying alive? Like, which which is the the concept of his character? Like, is he supposed to not die, or is he supposed to kill people? Uh, well, he's obviously supposed to not die, but he can also be trying to kill people. I mean, if you can go both ways, but then he's going to die. Mm-hmm. But which one is is like the concept for him? Like, like so, like Thor, for example, is kind of a kind of a brute and kind of a blaster because he does damage and he he wants to stay alive. But like the point of him is to go in and kill people. The fact that he's survivable is kind of secondary. And so, is Ultron is his goal to to cause damage or is it to survive damage? It's to like, survive. What is, what is the primary focus of him? Just survive. Okay. All right, I'm putting brute then, which I think is correct. He doesn't murder shit. But he does a he's little definitely, bit. I mean, Thanos was kind of the same thing. He's like, he's a blaster controller, brute defender. Like, what do you do? Okay. So, uh, overall rating, last character, he's a six, eight, one, one brute for four points. Parker, give me a number. Six. Wow, you're terrible at this. Do you want a reason? I'm kidding. Uh, I I can give you. I a reason. mean, I I think he's probably closer to a five. Yeah, he doesn't make a lot of yeah. lists though. Go ahead, give me your. The reason only reason is uh, the ability to say I will with two tactics cards. I'll live for five of the six turns of the game. With one tactics card, I'll live for four of the six turns of the game. I think is worth one point. Otherwise, he's just a uh, he's just a he's a solid four point character, not a weak four point character. He's a solid four point character, so that's like about a five. And then uh, I think his card uh, puts him just gives him one point actually in a rating. But it is interesting that you can just say this character lives for four turns, unless you have the one, unless you have something in the game that stops me from doing that. I am going to this character will be here. For well, there's turns. two characters that. There's two characters that shut him down really hard, and in our meta, that's really bad because they both get played. It's Ghost Rider and and mm-hmm. Ronan, and they tend to get played together. So that's like the apocalypse. Yep. So like you literally can't play Ultron in that game. So which is fine because you can kind of see that coming because if they have both those characters, that's probably their plan. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's kind of unique. Like, that's one of the cool things about him is that no one really does what he does. Like, Ghost Rider's the closest, which is the problem because he's the counter. So if you were going to play one of them, why wouldn't you play Ghost Rider? Because he beats Ultron. Beats him like a redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Especially when you roll Jeremy defense dice. Poor 
Oh, mercy. Poor Ultron. Just use all will be metal, Jeremy. Just don't die. <laughs> hey, it works I think me. he took like 11 damage from that penance stare. Yeah. <laughs> Is it my turn? It I'm is. giving him a four because he's boring. He's boring. For four points. That's my problem with him. Yeah, four points. I'll is he's really else. boring because on that, before he plays Age of Ultron, you're kind of just standing there mm-hmm. taking damage and energy blasting people. He doesn't interact with the dice very much. He doesn't want to spend power. So this is kind of meh. Like, you basically have enough power for, like, one, like, good ability or, like, one big attack before you get dazed. But after that, you're kind of just holding on to all your power to make sure you don't get screwed over. I'm going to meet in the middle at five. So we had a six, we had a four, and I'm going to say five just to make it an even round number. He doesn't get into a lot of lists because having a character that requires a, a tactics card slot is pretty rough on your roster. Him also being only in one faction, and that faction is one of the most numerous factions, doesn't help. Uh-huh. Um, but I think he's solid. He does his job. He actually, uh, instead of losing slowly, he kind of wins slowly, Like, which is interesting. I think it's really cool because you could kind of send him to a flank because he's fairly quick. Uh, he has flight, so he ignores all the terrain. And so you can get to the side and usually win your matchup in a 1v1 over there pretty quickly. And then come back to the middle. And that's about when the game is really resolving itself. And that's when Ultron is the strongest. Because he's basically unkillable at that point if he's still alive. All right. Well, that is the Cabal. What do you guys think? Did we win? Did we forget to talk about cosmic configuration? I mean, not really. I talked about it a couple times. Did you? Did you bring it up? Yeah. I, I missed it. Okay. Yeah, well, it's a faction card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just when we were going over Red Skull, it didn't. I mean, it's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that's fair. It's kind of his card, but it's a. I mean, you're, obviously, you're playing the leader if you're playing the faction. Mm-hmm. So, unless you're like me and dumb. <laughs> also dumb. I can't remember a time I've played a faction without their leader, but I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> funny, funny story. Uh, unaffiliated lists are 100% win rate in Kansas City. A game played in Kansas City with an unaffiliated roster has never lost. Thank you. Oh, you haven't lost yours either. <laughs> and I haven't lost mine either. Conveniently, Jeremy Perfect. was involved with both of those Perfect. games. Perfect. <laughs> that helps. I add the chaos. So maybe maybe the answer is just play unaffiliated. Seems mm. to be. Best faction, no faction. Seems bad. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, thank you for joining. Hopefully you had a good time. Uh, this has been Brandon. And Parker. Buy Modoc for God's sake. This is Jeremy. Don't. Don't buy Modoc. <laughs> Modoc bag. Thank you for listening to Parker is Dumb, the podcast. <laughs> That was a good one. I felt that one oh, in my yeah. bones. Mm-hmm. Right down in my plums. <laughs> Is that Eastbound and Down reference? Yeah. <laughs> in my feeling my plums. Deep in my plums. <laughs> <laughs> that that fucking scene yeah. is probably the funniest part of improvised television ever. Oh my god, that was so... Have you seen them? Have you seen the outtakes? They, they of took the... them like an hour to yes. film that. Yes, I, I, I want to know if you'd seen the outtakes of that. Oh my god. They watching, were just they were just crying. Watching That's them try to hold... Yeah. Yeah. 
There's it's a, have Will you seen Eastbound and Down? I watched a little bit. Will yeah, Ferrell. Will Ferrell. He guest stars in that. He's just guest star. Yeah, right? he's the he's the dealership owner. Yeah, and he's he he has a conversation about six inches away from the main character's faces, and he is <laughs> just it, like. And and the whole thing is just so raunchy and weird. Yeah, and it's like about him and how sexual like his wife or daughter is. Yeah, and it's just like exactly. what the fuck. And they're it. both like like they're ready to fight, and he's trying to egg them on, but yeah. he's being very sexual. <laughs> and it's like, why? Are, and they're both like looking at him and looking at each other, and all of them are like three inches from each other's face. Yeah. Like and I don't know what's happening. They can't handle it. They break constantly. Like they can't. Yeah, it's. They can't deal. They must with have Will done Ferrell. that scene, and every time Will Ferrell's trying to come up with new material, <laughs> yeah, to be just a little bit weirder, and so they mm-hmm. so they break, and then they just reset it. They go, okay, okay, here we go, here we go, and then he does something just a little bit different than the last time he did it, and, mm-hmm. and it, they just, can't handle done. it. Yeah. They, they can't handle it. So is it is that like mid season or first season or? It's season one. It's like halfway through the first really? season. Basically, so da- yeah, Danny McBride's character is the the washed up pitcher. And so he uh-huh. signs on with the dealership to do some, like, promotional throw-a-pitch thing at his dealership to get people into the dealership. Uh-huh. He's going to pay him, like, money to show up. And then the other guy shows up, and he's, like, the batter, but they've had, like, this longtime rivalry from the major leagues. And so they're, like, literally ready to fight to the death in the middle of this place. And neither of them are willing to, like, go through with the stunt they're supposed to do, which is throw a ball and hit it with a bat, which is, like, the like obviously why you showed up. Uh-huh. And then, it, like, while they're, like, in each other's face, Will Ferrell just walks up and just, like, starts trying to incite a riot. And it's like, what are you doing? It's, yeah, it was hands down the funniest part of that season. I meant, I keep meaning to go back and watch the rest of it. I just always forget about it because it's not on, like, I think it's on, like, Hulu or Amazon. And it's not, like, a normal, like, thing I go to watch streaming. Mm-hmm. That That scene, the outtakes of that scene are famously on the internet i'll I'll post it here yeah that's one that that sh- usually when you see eastbound and down clips it's usually that scene yeah here it is eastbound down season one will ferrell outtakes like <laughs> just seeing the picture oh. makes you laugh oh oh my gosh and and his, also his character like his outfit his he's hair. wearing like he's got like a platinum blonde oh, wig on, and he's so... got like these giant mirrored aviators yeah. on. Here, I, it's I, like I, I don't think we can talk about this anymore. You just gotta, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna... He's like Colonel. Well, no, don't play it. Because no, I'm not it's playing. On... It. I'm just gonna put We're it. Recording. Oh, okay, I'm putting it. In yeah, here. just link it, and then yeah, he, we can watch it later. Yeah, but oh man, another great uh, comedy outtake is uh, the scene from The Office when uh, Michael tells Jim that he's been dating Pam's mom. And he's just like, like he's at first he doesn't want to believe it. So he's like, no, you didn't. Like you, you didn't meet her mom. Like what car kind of car does she drive? It's like it's like a, like a green Saturn. And he's just like, oh my god. <laughs> he's like ready to kill himself. He's like, I don't know how to deal with this situation. Uh, have you guys ever tried to listen to Will Ferrell's like stand up? No. He it's notoriously horrible. Uh, and he doesn't oh, like like just bad. Yes, very bad. And he he doesn't do it very often. He does it kind of because people ask like you've got to be funny as stand up, right? Because his improv comedy is so amazing. And yeah, uh, and he's he's like, oh yeah, I've prepared stuff. And he'll like tell some jokes, and you're just like, that's it. That was a joke, right? Like you're fun. You're laughing at him. He's like, no, that's uh, 
That's actually something I've tried that's my best. in front of yeah. people. <laughs> that's my best. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's awful. But he's 110. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely great at playing characters. And yes. so I don't know why people would assume that means he's great at writing jokes. Yeah. He does have great delivery. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, I, I cannot hear the word meatloaf in my life without yelling and talking. Oh, yeah. Mom! Mom! Where is she? Where where is she? (laughs) 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 Okay. Did they actually say when Angela's coming out? Is it January? Um, it just says it is January. She comes out with She Hulk on. I want it's this the second week in January, I think. So we're like four weeks out, three and a half weeks. That's when she gets real. I'm really curious if uh, Enchantress is going to be part of Asgard. What? She's. Co- I think she is. She's yeah. She's got to be Cabal Asgard. Absolutely. You, you think so? No doubt in my mind. Cabal, Cabal Asgard. You know the thing that's interesting to me now? I'm pretty sure that Wanda and Pietro are going to be Avengers with the rate they're going with the dual faction. Yeah. I, it's going to be really surprising if they're not. I would be also absolutely amazed if Wanda and Pietro are not. Uh, Who's Pedro? Which is going to be great because that means Quicksilver. Oh. Uh, so which means Cabal will have five characters split across. Or sorry, Brotherhood will have five of their characters split across. Cabal and Avengers, which is just like exactly perfect. I spent about an hour today reading uh, background information on Juggernaut. Oh, really? Yeah. And his helmet. He's had some cool iterations. Yeah, I didn't realize that his power level changes throughout the year mm-hmm. or the years of storylines and stuff. Like mm-hmm. basically, the amount of devotion he achieves through Sidorak. Um, he gets like stronger, weaker throughout the time. He's also been a long period of time where he hasn't had powers. Yeah, because he's like super pissed off the god. Yep, he's just a god of destruction. So as long as he's destroying stuff, he's happy. But if he's not destroying stuff, he's doesn't receive the blessing. Also, he like magically summons his armor and helmet. Like mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah, the um, famously Colossus was uh, the champion of Sidorak for a while, and um, during that time. Um, just total brain farting right now. Uh, while Colossus was the champion of Sidorak, um, he was considered one of the strongest characters in the Marvel Universe, like, by far. Because he was already very, very strong. Because Kane Marcus was just a guy. Mm-hmm. You're putting all that power on top of him. Because mm-hmm. from what they were saying in the biography, with like it's it was just on X-Men Wiki or whatever, but they were saying that he's, like, com- not... He's effectively invulnerable except against magic and some very weird forms of energy. And so, like, cosmic energy kind of stuff. But he also has, like, Wolverine-level healing ability against that stuff, too. So even if it hurts him, like, he comes back. Like, they referenced one storyline where he was, like, basically flayed to the bone by some kind of spell. And he, like, regenerated in a few hours. Mm -hmm. I don't know if... I do not know if the modern Marvel... It, does he, I don't even know if Kane Marco is the juggernaut in the modern Marvel universe. Like the one currently. What's the name? Is it? Is there like a name for the current one or anything? Um, Like just post-Secret Wars. I'm not sure. What, what? That's a good question, actually. What do they call like the current universe 616? 
Maybe it's just that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's just 616. Earth Prime, yeah, Earth 616. So, But it was also Earth 616 before the reset during Secret Wars. So I don't know. That's, I'm not, now I'm curious. Is Juggernaut still Juggernaut? Or is Kane Marco? <laughs> My computer only has 45 more hours of recording space for audio. Oh, is that it? Yeah, we're going to have to call it short today. <laughs> I think we might. Yeah. We'll have to do the rest tomorrow. We'll just slam it together. Slam a mamma jamma. Wham wham wazzle. <laughs> Zippity da! Do you think that. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you guys? <laughs> These are new catchphrases? Yep. Mm-hmm. Shimmy 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 wham wham wazzle. <laughs> Wiggy Wham Wham Wazzle is not my catchphrase. That's uh, the Futurama version of uh, Spuds McKenzie, Slurms McKenzie. Oh He's God, a, where they're eating their the own never ass. ending the ne- the never ending party slug. <laughs> oh my God, Slurms McKenzie. Okay, do you guys think Juggernaut's gonna be five points or six points? Five. I don't. I I, I don't think they're gonna do too many sixes. That would really be stupid. Well, it seems like the rate of sixes are increasing. I can't imagine that be the way to go. Two two sixes in one faction would be kind of rough for like fielding a list. Yeah. I kind of expect him to be five, but even I could easily see them justifying him at six. In that faction, the way they're going, like I feel like even a odd four. I mean power levels, Magneto versus him. I mean, it just depends what they decide to do with them. Like, he might hit, like, yeah, a truck, I think they... you know, with a couple cool tactics right. cards. So, who knows? I kind of think he's going to be a lot more like Black Dwarf, where he's going to be more of, a, like, just a brick. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, if you get in front of him, he'll beat the de- beat you to death, but he's just going to kind of wander around and be unkillable. They got to give him a charge, though, right? They got to give him a charge. Sure. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Like, they have to. It'll probably be a charge with, like, a slam built in kind of deal. One of those yeah. things. I mean, we have been calling Ooh, everything perfectly he... lately, so... That's true. Right. So, so if he's size 4, which we assume he's going to be, because he's roughly Hulk size, uh, they could just give him, like, a pounce-type effect where he throws himself at you, but it could throw, like, medium. Yeah. That could be a really cool mechanic. And that way, he could just, like, throw himself at people as his, like, charge mechanic. Yeah, that'd be cool if he could do it more than once. That's, like, his attack. That'd be awesome. I don't think they'd let you do Come that. Come on! That would be a little crazy. No! Oh my god, that would be... Si- but it's just too much. <laughs> it's like 10 automatic damage. Like, what? Do you, how do you defend against that? You just kills people. Like, that would be too strong. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that would be crazy. They could also do a... I mean, you could do like a... This character is pushed and then collides with... Well, that'd just be a throw, so never mind. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to think of a way he could do like a trample from War Machine. They'd have to, like, come up with new wording, though. Like, place this character, like, range two or three, and then any character touched by the template for measuring is uh, takes, like, a collateral with him or something. Like, they could do something like that. But it'd be really ambiguous wording. I'd, I'd be worried that'd make it too clunky. Mm-hmm. I think that just throwing himself at people would make the most sense. Because where Hulk gets to place himself, uh, Juggernaut could just throw himself at you, so he's like less mobile, but still pretty mobile. That'd be a big one—a five dice, or a, at least a four. It'd be well because if he's gonna be size four, it's five damage. Yeah, but I'm, I don't know that he'll be a four. So like, that would be brutal. It depends which version they put in there. Size four? 
He's he's way bigger than Ultron though. Yeah, Ultron's three. Physically, he's huge. Modok size four. He's, he's definitely yeah. yeah that's true. Huge. That's true. He's definitely going to be a four. Yeah. All right. Before we get started, I'm going to use the restroom and then yell at my kids for a second. I'll be right back. Okay. When you get back, I'm going to go to the restroom again, and then Parker can go, and then Jeremy can go again, and then I'll go again. I like this plan. Sound plan. Mm-hmm. Well, Did you find out Kane is is Juggernaut or not? Um, I found the article. Let me look again. You're like, that's what I wanted to know, and then just looked at it. Honestly, it was a ton of stuff that I had no idea what was going on. I can look at it. Again. Oh, because like the current. It's not just like Universe Six One Six. Who is Juggernaut? Yeah, it is him. Marco yeah, Smash do... Okay. It looks like yeah, he looks like he's currently still the Juggernaut, but I don't know if he's still. Oh yeah, he got the crimson. He got the gym back. He's now Sidorax guy again. He's he's his boo again. Do they ever flesh out the other six gods? Like, do they have avatars? So I know at one point they did. I do like, not know obviously that. like ancient times, but because yeah, when in the biography I was reading, Sidorax is one of the seven gods that used to like rule over like this region of space, mm-hmm. and so obviously Sidorax is god of destruction, and at one point. Uh, they try to build a god machine that lets them take over the minds of people within its range. So it would take over like everyone in this region of space and they'd gain complete control over all the humans and mutants and everything. And so uh, Xavier helps Marco because uh, basically they're, they invade his mind and take over his body to make him build this machine. And so he's fighting against all seven of them in his own mind. And so Xavier tries to go in and help him. And one of the other deities who's like basically the equivalent of Loki, like figures out what he's doing and throws them out. But he, he buys Marco enough time to like break free of their hold. And then he fights them off. Hmm. And so that sounded like a pretty cool storyline, but they, they didn't really go into depth because it's just a wiki. It's just telling you about stuff yeah. that's happened. So they, they didn't really go into depth about the other people or if they had avatars. They said that they, at one point they did have other avatars, but I didn't know if they are active in the... Apparently they're not if you haven't heard about them. So No, I haven't heard about the other gods related to Sidorak or like in the same pantheon as him. Mm-hmm. So is that the same thing that Doctor Strange does? Oh, yeah, like Strange and... Um... Uh, uh, magic and yeah, all the all the mystical Marvel characters kind of run in the same like they're all kind of lumped together in the same mystical gumbo, um, mm. multiple dimensions, magical dimensions. It's all kind of timey wimey, you know, because yeah, they don't exp- they don't go into a great uh, detail explaining it. There's not a lot of hard rules about it. In fact, one of the things I I actually one of the things I'm mad that I didn't mention. When I was talking about the new Doctor Strange stuff, uh, the last uh, um, on the last podcast, is that one of the things that's awesome about it is they finally actually introduced some rules to his universe, like things he actually has to do. They, he's not just a god that could do whatever the hell he wants whenever he wants. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for example, um, he uh, when he uses his powers, like when he when he does it, magic has a, a metaphysical cost. And every time he uses magic, he pays for it with, uh, like his body and his soul. And he he's he's basically at this point he saturated his body with so much mystical energies, kind of like background radiation in your life, that um, he no longer can taste like regular food. He has to eat like just random dimensional detritus from other magical realms. That's the only thing he can actually like taste. 
and eat. And if he tries to consume any other food, he's uh, it's it's just like ash in his mouth. Um, and he like drawing on like Atlantean Atlantean blood magic and all that kind of crazy bullshit has you know serious physical costs. Like you don't just get to do that for free. So when he does that, he he has incredible like physical strain. Excuse me. So they um so he has all these like different magical techniques to deal with all the physical damage that's constantly done to his body as a result of his the spells he's weaving. Because uh, he is the Sorcerer Supreme, so he has access to all the books and stuff. Like, like he can do all the tricks. But if he does, he also is just a person. Hmm. Um, so that's one of the cool things about the Way of the Weird is they actually go into... It's not just he shows up, he beats Dormammu, then he walks away. It's like, what happens when he goes home? And he's got to like deal mm-hmm. with the ramifications of all the bullshit he always does. Um also, he deals with problems very similar to actually Dresden kind of problems. Like he can see the mystical realm, right? And like mystical, uh, uh, like mystical organisms are kind of like surface bacteria all over the earth as well. The earth's a very magical like place. So when he's walking around, like he sees, yes, he sees like all the regular stuff, but he also sees everything going on in the in the mystical spectrum. And so there's just tons of mystical organisms all over the place all the time. And he's constantly policing those as well. And kind of like a white noise kind of thing when he's not dealing with giant dimension monsters. Um, Maybe he's walking down the street and he sees somebody with a psychic leech on their head. And he's just like punts it off and has to smoosh it on the ground. But of course, to everyone else, he looks crazy because he's not doing they can't see it. So he just looks like a crazy person. Yeah. but he's doing, you know, great work, and it's that that kind of stuff. Um, because he's done spent so much time in these other areas, he has a mystical. His body has his had developed basically a mystical immune system. So if if he like gets a mystical poison in his body and that kind of stuff, he uh, he doesn't succumb to it as quickly as a regular person might, um, because he his body has is built up a resistance to it. All kind of like more. Not hard sci-fi, but harder sci-fi than the original Doctor Strange. Just, you know, by the vapors of Valtor, and it just, ha- you know, just happens. Um, yeah, I'm kind of excited for the next Doctor Strange movie. I wasn't super impressed with the last one. thought it was okay, but I felt like they were, they just made a movie about wizards in the universe and not really about Doctor Strange. Yeah. Also, I felt like they left off a lot of the core of his character. They didn't have like they didn't. Doctor Strange is not really as lighthearted and goofy as the Guardians like mythos like lends it to be. And it didn't. And they just didn't have Taika Waititi to be like to do this fantastic comedic like action combo. So sometimes the comedic moments in Doctor Strange just seem really out of place to me. Like, they were just kind of like, uh, why did you choose to do that right there? That just totally undercut this moment that was otherwise dramatic. Um, mm-hmm. Not a bad movie. Not bad. But uh, I actually was also watching it the bad guy because my kids wanted to see it. Yeah. Also, the, uh, the bad guy. Um, totally forgettable. I didn't give two shits about him ever. <laughs> uh Dormammu was awesome. Like Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Like that whole scene, that was fantastic. Like it was perfect. Like Doctor Strange stuff. But uh, yeah. um, it's not Mordo. Um, Mordo's his uh, confidant friend guy. Um, 
shit who's the who's the antagonist in doctor strange that's how forgettable he is i can't remember his name uh i can tell you the actor's name yeah. i don't know who actually like the character is right he's just a, a fallen jedi I mean that's pretty much all it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. He 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 chose the dark forces. Yeah, I mean that's all it was. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's fine. Like it doesn't need to be a big person cuz obviously they're planning these movies many in advance. I don't want it to be like Spider-Man where they killed the bad guy in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, now what? Like you killed the the his main arch-villain in the first hour of him being on screen. Like there was so much we could have done with this and you just threw him away. Now, now I'm curious. It, which one is um, Doctor Strange movie villain? Yeah, Dormammu is the bad guy, but who's Caecilius? That's right. But Mordo is actually a fantastic character in the Doctor Strange universe. That's the that's the other guy who eventually decides that Strange has kind of lost his way and doing the wrong thing. He doesn't know it. The one who's like that's the dude that's played by the operative from Serenity. Yes. Okay. It's kind of funny. They kind of took the comic book version of Mordo and they split him in two different characters, Caecilius and the character called Mordo and Strange, because the character called Mordo in the comic books is is very much a dark Jedi who also has this big inferiority complex for Doctor Strange. And they don't agree. They don't see eye to eye, but they're not. uh, uh, But he's constantly being foiled by him. So it's kind of they're kind of two two versions of the same character. Alrighty, well, let's go ahead and get started. You guys ready? Yep. Hooray. You guys are both recording, right? Oh, we yeah. are recording. I've been podcasting this whole time. Podcasting. Okay. <clears throat> Peace. <laughs> you said you were nice. going to do it. I hope, I hope you, said... you know that this has been on my list. This has been on my list since we started naming pod, or we were doing the mm. podcast names. When you were like, what if we were like, Rock Boulder Radio or something. I was like, I just wrote Parker is dumb. Like that's just the new <laughs> so, name of the podcast. Um, so, so today, earlier today, we were actually talking. Uh, uh, so my wife and I were talking about how uh, we were going to do this little holiday thing, social distancing holiday thing with my brother and her brothers. And I was like, we give it the, a name like uh, this name, and she's like, uh, no, that that's that's a bad name. I was like, uh, what about what about the, this name? But she's like. Uh, no, that's very confusing for like the kids. I was like, "Oh yeah, what about uh, this one?" She goes, "That's just bad." And I was like, "I was like, okay, I'm I'm really bad at this, <laughs> and I'm just gonna stop now." We discovered this. Brandon wasn't kidding. I'm really bad at naming things. I uh, I, I think it's excellent. I think it's of high quality and value. Well, you would though. <laughs> I would rate it as a seven or eight. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a two for me, Doug. Uh, I cannot stand. Uh, I have a. Re- I really struggle. I really struggle with people who name their kid uh, a, a, another a regular name, but just take out like an I and put in a Y. That really bugs the heck out of me. Oh fucking! There should be a law against naming your child a name and misspelling it. <laughs> like you should be criminally prosecuted. Uh-huh. You're like, my name is Mike with two Y's, and you're like, nope. That's not a name. That's just a bunch of letters. Your name is Meek. Like, <laughs> shut up. Oh my god, I hate that so much. It's like, my name is uh, Sarah with an H and a Y. And you're like, there's no Y. Oh, what are you he's her. He's watching the video.
I can't even yeah. listen to it over no fucking Discord. Jeremy, you have yeah. to stop playing it. Jeremy, stop. We'll watch it after we're done. All right, hold. Oh my god. Oh. God, I can't believe you started playing that. Oh. Oh, all right. That was the video that we talked about earlier, if you were confused. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, on the topic of names, uh, I've never really been a huge fan of my name, Brandon, but uh, my mom told me at one point that she almost named me Max, which would have been really awkward since, you know, my roommate's name is Max. So that could have been really confusing because we've been roommates for like seven or eight years now. So it's like every time someone wanted to talk to us, I'm like, what? Max right. power. So, yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap it up for today. 